If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It got me in the face. That's what she said. I know. Hey girl, hey. Hey girl, hey. How goes it? It goes. How goes it for you? It also goes. How's your day been? I love that it goes. Um, you know, it was really good. It was super emotional, but really good. And um also productive. I went to the gym. I got a car wash, like a deep clean car wash, the kind where I get my like mats washed and shit. I took a nap. I played Fortnite. It, I got some shit done today. I was really excited about it. How was your day today? It was really good. We went to a hockey event that the cousins are a part of, and I just love hockey, so that was super fun. Very cool. I love that. I love the little videos of Moose on his little skates, on his little hockey skates. Oh my god, I die. I die every time I see him on the ice. It makes me so happy. Yeah, he had a blast. He was telling us that he wants to play hockey, but he's too little right now. <laughs> oh, my baby. Kiss on his sweet face for me. Will do. I feel weird. <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome back. Right? Is that how we do this? Is that is that what we do here? Should we do that next? I think also we should do... I'm Allie. <laughs> I'm Celeste, I think. Maybe. <laughs> and together, we're taboos. Bam, bada, bam. Welcome to our show, where we talk about taboo culture with foul mouths and drinks in hand. If this is your first time, welcome to the shit show. If you are a returning guest, please hand me your punch card, and we will make sure that you get your frequent flyer miles. Ooh, I love that plan. Thank you. Now we need punch cards. Uh, fuck. <laughs> I feel weird because we're not talking about what we're drinking. <laughs> hey, guess what, Allie girl? Hey, what, Celestial? Today we are recording an episode that will be our first episode released in the month of March that we also recorded in the month of March. Our Shark Week episode was recorded in February. So we have not really had the opportunity to talk about Love is Love and our series on that. And I just want to know all of your thoughts and what you think and what your favorite parts were. Hit me with the good stuff. I adored it. I thought it was fantastic. And all of my parts were my favorite parts. I like all of your parts also. But I especially enjoyed our interview with Danielle because I feel like that was very enlightening for us both and a very untalked about topic. 
How about you? I would agree completely. I absolutely am obsessed with our Love is Love series. I love the direction that we took it. I love that we took it in a place that is super abstract in the concept of Love is Love. And I'm really proud of us for that, that we didn't play it to a very stereotypical Love is Love concept. Everything I learned this month, honestly, like about society and about myself, that was a really big thing for me in the Love is Love series. I just learned a lot about myself. And also, I cannot agree with you more. Our episode with Danielle is legitimately like magical to me. And I know that I'm really biased when I say that, but I mean it. Like that was such an amazing experience for me and having the opportunity to be able to ask questions and to be able to understand this thing that I genuinely didn't to the point where now I feel like I can have an educated conversation about asexuality and with someone who is ace, that just makes me feel like a better person. Like I feel like I leveled up my little human avatar or some shit like I don't know I'm just really proud of us and I think that it's really beautiful what we've created also shout out to you because the self-love episode was your ingenious idea and that's our best performing episode to date as far as released within a month I'm not sure if that makes sense to anybody else but long story short people clearly loved it so all the kudos. I really appreciate that because that episode was something that I struggled with, not in research or in presenting at all, but I really was like, oh my God, are people going to really even care about this? Like, are people going to think this is weird and insane that I'm talking about this? And I think also the fact that so many people perceived, I like, when I said that, So many people perceived that self-love is the same as like self-care and I just really was kind of nervous that people were going to think like the guy at festival in saying like, yo, what's taboo about this? That's weird as fuck. Like, I don't know. I just, I got really insecure about it for some reason, but the fact that you guys appreciated that that was put out and that that has hit home for a lot of you who you have very graciously reached out to us and let us know that that meant something to you, which we are honored and humbled by. So thank you. But that feedback has been such a big deal. The listens on that episode being our best performing is such a big deal because you guys, this is really just a thing that we all deserve to be able to have for ourselves. So carry forth and love thyself. On that note, can I ask you what we're talking about today? You certainly may. Today we are discussing truck drivers, which is another topic where people are probably scratching their head, being like, what is taboo about being a truck driver? But sincerely, I think there's a lot to the transportation industry that people of the general public just simply don't understand. I really feel like there's a stigma that goes along with being a truck driver, and we actually have a guest joining us today who is a truck driver, so I'm super excited to introduce you to who that is Uh, in just a little bit. We will get him on the phone, but I just am super excited to have this conversation. This is one that's important to me personally on a couple different levels, so I'm really looking forward to sharing this education with not only the history of driving, but also the perspectives around why 
it's gotten kind of a bad rap. And then also to be able to talk about how as a society, we can be better for drivers because honestly, they're one of the main functions of the bloodline of our economy, really. Like if capitalism is the heart of our country, transportation is the blood and veins of our economy and drivers are the white blood cells. So people really don't recognize that that's what it means to be a truck driver and all of the things that come with that. So I really want to talk about that and expose that truth and give truck drivers the acknowledgement and the recognition that they deserve for all they do for our country. Yeah, it's definitely one of those jobs that is crucial to us as people, yet very undervalued. I agree completely. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, And actually, I just received a message that our special guest is ready. So let's give him a jingle and we will be right back. Bring, bring. Ooh, I was going to ask you to say a jingling or something, but you are on it. My girl, you are the love of my life. What are you touching? Who, me? Yes. Piece of paper. Can you hear it? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I was like, what is, who's got a bag right now? I thought that was your special guest notebook. No, he is here though. Don't talk about him. He's, he has (laughs) a lot to offer today. Also, I'm really excited to show you guys the can that I got for this drink because I specifically picked it out because I saw it and I was like, oh, this is so a Chris can. I must take this beer. Okay, so hello, special guest. Hey. Hello. Do you want to see something really cool? Yeah, I do. Okay. We made you a thing. Yes. That's awesome. Oh, what did you send it on? Like Messenger? I did. I just sent it in Messenger, but he has, he has, okay, this picture is shit and you can't tell. He has a little septum piercing. Yes. And he has little gauges. Isn't yes. Cute? It looks just like me. It does. Shout out to our girl, Melissa, who made this amazing graphic for today's episode. And there's even a little area that says, it says this. Yes. Ooh, we made awesome. you your own little trucking company. One day I'll get there. To clarify for listeners, because this is an audio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> They will have already seen the marketing. Maybe, maybe they won't. Maybe they're not on our social media forums. You're right. Okay, well, if that's the truth, y'all are fucking up and please go find our social, social media, media forums. forums. What are what you, ma- what are you bumbling about? Hi, I'm 80. <laughs> go find us on our social media forums. So back to my description. <laughs> Wow, I just hit pepper in this drink. Dead. Okay. It's a graphic of a truck, a flatbed, that's hauling our logo in concrete blocks. And it says, Labar Luck Trucking. And it has Chris's persona. I don't know how to explain that portion of it. So it's... My avatar? Thank you, avatar. Bing. 
The World of Warcraft girl couldn't come up the word avatar. That's fantastic. It's called character creation. Thank you very much. Hey, don't diss on the nerd. Oh, my bad. My bad. But, okay, so this was a totally fucked up round the world trip kind of conversation to get us to the point that our special guest is Chris Labar, ladies and gentlemen. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. Finally. I don't know how to act in royalty. What are the rules here? No, no. Act yourself. Should we curtsy? I, I mean, if you want to. Okay. Let me move this mic real quick. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I have a red carpet somewhere. You can roll that out. Right on, right on. Burp, 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 burp. There was my majestic trumpet noise. Yeah. <laughs> how are you today, Mr. Labar? I'm enjoying my day off. Yeah, short, short weekend again. So, you know. Awesome. Yeah. Was this a day off that you requested or you got the day off? No, I just uh, I started my week last week on Sunday. So typically if I do that, my week is over on a Friday, early Saturday morning. So I got nice. home last night like 9.30. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, we're going to talk about that. I'm super I, excited. I just want to say that I appreciate the Slipknot poster behind you. Yeah, buddy. Also, I don't, you guys can't see, but I have a... <gasps> I actually forgot I ordered it like two weeks ago. So I was like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm wearing Saturday. <laughs> that is incredible. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. That makes me so happy. Yeah, I was pretty pumped. I love that you're repping us today more than we're repping us today. Yeah, neither of us. I'm repping a trucking company, but not our actual podcast. <laughs> okay. So, you guys, we are gathered here today to talk about Chris and his amazing profession. Chris, would you like to tell us what you do for a living? Uh, I am a flatbed truck driver. I really thought about making a truck noise, and then I couldn't get my mouth to do the noise that I hear in my head. So there, <laughs> insert awkward Celeste thinking moment. <laughs> Can either like of you vroom 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 vroom? She says, "No, this I mean, one like make yes." Noise. <laughs> My favorite thing to see. Oh, honk honk. Pretty much. That was decent. That was decent. Okay, for the listeners, you guys, what Chris was referencing is his favorite thing to see is the honk your horn sign, like with your hand, like pull on the horn thing. I'm super describing this terribly, but I'm doing the action like a happy five year old. <laughs> Amazing. So I am so excited to talk about this. I am super passionate about and I am so honored that you are here to talk about this with us. I'm just so excited. So I have a disclaimer to start this episode. Are you guys ready to hear it? Yes. Nope. I'd rather hear what we're all drinking today first. I would also rather do that. You are right. Fuck me for being excited about our episode. You guys mess us up every time. We do. It's true. <laughs> We're not professionals at all. You should hear. That's good. It's you should all hear good. the unedited stuff. <laughs> this is him hearing the unedited stuff, Allie. Yeah, I'm part of it stuff now. Stuff he's not currently on. Jesus Christ, you guys. I only have to take shit from one of you on a normal basis, so this is difficult. <laughs> I'm so excited that Chris is on my team. Okay. Mr. Labar, your highness, what are you drinking this evening? Oh, the fanciest of the fancy, uh, Jack Daniels and Coke. Nice choice. Excellent. I approve. Yeah. Miss Allie, 
What are you drinking today? Shout out to last week's episode. I'm drinking a Bloody Mary. Nick brought him <gasps> one of the like instant mixes for me and I immediately cracked up because that episode obviously hasn't aired yet. So nobody's heard the Bloody Mary comment yet and it's fucking delicious. I'm dying. I think this is hilarious because I don't know if I've ever actually seen you drink a Bloody Mary. I'm not saying you don't, but I'm saying in our friendship, I've only ever had mimosas with you as like a brunch beverage. So the fact that the week after we have that episode is the first time that I see you have a Bloody Mary is just like cosmic energy that I really appreciate. Like really it is. (laughs) Also, he mixed it for me because I was legitimately buzzed on our BDSM episode with vodka. So I asked him to mix it. So I wasn't responsible for anything that happened within this episode. I wasn't responsible. Cheers to Nick and all of his amazingness. Thank you for being a part of our show without being a part of our show. I so appreciate you. What are you drinking, beautiful? I have this beer that I've never tried before. And again, you guys, I got this because I saw the can and I was like, fuck yes, Chris and Allie will die over this can. I must have it. The brewing company is called Drecker. And actually, the logo kind of looks like Chris if we put a Viking hat on him. It is an India Pale Ale, and the type of beer, like the can itself, is called ectoplasm. Are you guys ready to see it? Yes. Yes. And look at his little... Tell me that's not Chris with a Viking hat on. That is awesome. That is amazing. I need to get me one of those. That is so great. (laughs) So I was trying to figure out how to describe this because it's very interesting. I honestly haven't landed on if it's good or not yet because it is just unlike a beer that I've ever tried before. At first it's really smooth and it definitely tastes like a pale ale but then it's got this like bite to it at the end and you guys this sounds really weird but it tastes almost like meaty like irony like like I should chew it. I don't sound good. I don't... (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. It's not bad. It's just super intense. And I really like the can more than anything, I think. That's that. There's that. There. I I will keep you posted as I drink it throughout the episode. Maybe I'll be less inclined to chew it. Who knows? I'm really just disturbed by the thought of chewing beer right now, so... I just, I really can't. I don't know what it is, and I wish I did. The ingredients or the flavor profile just doesn't really make sense on this. So it says that the malt is a two-pale row, flaked oats, carafoam, and malted oats. The hops are citra and mosaic, and the yeast is a house IPA yeast. And I'm not sure what any of those things would make it taste like I should chew it. (laughs) But I do. I've never heard that description before, chewing beer. (laughs) We have had, Allie had a beverage that was described as chewy, didn't you? Yeah, I was actually trying to think of that. It was something very similar, chewy or... um... It was definitely chewy because I was like, I've never heard that term used to describe a beer before. Yeah, I remember we were kind of traumatized by it. Yeah, and I want to say for some reason that that was at some point in our spooky season episodes. I just really feel that way. I'm not sure why. Somebody, anybody who listens to us, who actually listens to us, if you could please tell us what episode (laughs) we talk about a chewy beer, that would be really helpful because I now know what it's like to have a chewy beer. I would now love to hear your disclaimer on this episode. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Here we are now. 
In today's episode, we will be talking about drivers in relation to the transportation industry. This can be any number of types of delivery method. However, today we are primarily going to be focusing on operators, quote-unquote truck drivers, semi-drivers, 53-footers, that kind of truck. That's what we're talking about today. As an equal opportunity podcast, we recognize the value of all professions regardless of societal perceptions of any type of career. This episode is us saying to every driver out there, thank you for your service. And Chris, specifically, I know I've said it to you before, but thank you for everything that you do as a driver. I remember the first time I said thank you for your service and being a truck driver and you were like, whoa, nobody's ever said that to me before. Like, was that weird to you when I said that? Uh, yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, not in a bad way either. <laughs> we just... We just don't get compliments like that before. Nobody really pays attention to us unless they're pissed off at us on the highway. But other than that, like you don't hear that. That's so strange to me. That's so sad to me, especially in the time that we live in right now, where like literally at one point in the not so distant past, trucking was like the only thing that was still making the country operate. So I guess I'm not really sure I understand how people don't recognize that. Oh, yeah, I don't either. And uh, to me, I think we still make uh, America run. You know, so we're just overlooked, honestly. I agree completely. Yeah, I agree 100%. If it gets to people's shelves, they don't think about how it gets there or the process. So everything Celeste said, I 100% concur. Well, thank you, ladies. Absolutely. So you guys, uh, I really feel like the definition of truck driver is pretty basic ass bitch, according to my Google search which states, quote unquote, truck driver, a person who earns a living as the driver of a truck. It's pretty legit. (laughs) I thought it was just going to be truck driver, a person that drives a truck. I mean, yes, but they earn a living doing it. That's the differentiation there. I forgot that component. Good job, Wikipedia. I feel like that is where I got that definition. It was just the first one that came up on Google. But I really struggle with that definition. I don't think that that's accurate at all. Trucking is so much more than that. Truck driving is so much more than that. So here's my definition of what it means to be a truck driver. And Chris, I would love to hear if you would agree with this. So like I said before we had called Chris, I truly feel like the transportation industry is the circulation of our country as far as the organism. If capitalism is the heart of this country as far as how it runs, our economy, sincerely, transportation is how blood flows throughout the country which is the organism. How does that blood flow actually work? That's because of drivers. Drivers are the white blood cells who carry the blood from point A to point B, getting it to the extremities that need it. That is a crucial function within our society. That is so much time, so much energy, so much effort, so much safety, so much risk, all, all kinds of aspects that people genuinely don't consider. And Allie, I think it's really interesting that you say, as long as the products are on the shelves, people don't think about it. I can attest to that. Prior to my very first big girl job, I had zero concept of how things got to the store, which sounds really ignorant, but seriously, ask yourself, do you know how things get to the store? Do you know how things are made? Do you recognize that every single product of every single thing you touch has come 
from multiple places before it got to the point that it's in your hands. The chemicals that go into things are individually created by different companies and then they're moved to another place where they're put together to make the product that you're buying. But before you can buy it, those companies then ship the product to the store that you bought it at. So there's a truck involved at every single point of that interaction. Sometimes more, sometimes less, but it doesn't change the fact that if you have purchased something, a truck driver has touched it. And that is the reality of the world we live in. And nobody looks at this profession that way. And I'm simply just not sure why. Chris, would you agree that that's an accurate assessment? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Especially how you worded the blood flow kind of sort of. Uh, I definitely feel like that. That's where the heartbeat. So we keep we keep things going. We keep the uh, country moving. Keep the factories going. Stores. I was doing a little bit of research a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember where I found it, but it said that if uh, truck drivers would stop delivering for whatever reason, all of them just stopped. So nope, we're not doing anymore. Stores would run out of things within three days. Three days. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yep. So again, I don't know where I got that from, but I don't even doubt that though, especially after seeing the catastrophe that was the stores when COVID hit. Holy shit. I don't doubt that for a second. Three days actually sounds generous to me. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. And I actually have some, not my own personal experience in the field, but I have family that was in trucking and I've heard some crazy stories for when shipments can't get moved because this was back in the heyday and it was my grandpa and he was held up at gunpoint and the company he worked for still was like, go back and get your truck. And he was like, you go fucking get your truck. (laughs) There's people in there with rifles. So it's tied back into sometimes even the people that know about what's occurring and how important truck drivers are don't care, which is also super sad to say. So I really appreciate that you said that, Chris, and I appreciate your perspective. How long have you been in your role? I consider myself a rookie, but I've been doing this for about, I'm going on 13 months, so a year and a month. Nice. Congratulations. Do you enjoy it? Uh, This is probably the best job I've ever had, honestly. It's, it's, uh, It's not easy, but I enjoy it. I'm good at it, so I enjoy it very much. That is so great to hear. Very cool. What's your favorite part? uh my favorite part uh just i don't know driving the truck i guess and kind of getting to see some stuff i don't go very far out i'm pretty much in the midwest but uh uh also the challenges i really enjoy the challenges that come with uh driving a truck this big Uh, and i'm really really good at it i think so very cool do you have like a challenge that feel comfortable sharing with us like what's something that you face that you enjoy the challenge of that's not necessarily a bad thing because we're going to talk about some of the cons of your career as well because there are some obvious ones but like when you say a challenge that you enjoy what's an example of that uh racing my clock and getting to where i need to be with a minute left of my clock. Oh, I love that game. I don't love that game. I shouldn't endorse that game, but I love that game. <laughs> uh, also, I do it safely. I do it safely. I'm not like 90 miles an hour down a 30 mile an hour road. I do everything safely, but there's been a couple times where it's like, oh, I don't know if I could make it. I was like, well, let's see what happens. And uh, yeah, getting where I need to be with a minute left of my day. So that's always a good feeling. 
That's super cool. And we're going to talk about that more as we talk about the history of trucking and how that comes around, because I don't think that enough of society recognizes that drivers are only allotted X hours of drive time per day by the DOT because of safety, which is crazy because that's a rule that I feel like everyone should have. Hours behind the wheel are exhausting. Like, It takes a lot of mental energy and focus to drive any vehicle, let alone one that weighs 70, right? 70,000 pounds? Uh, 80,000 is what I'm legally allowed. That's fucking crazy. That is a big ass bitch, Chris. That's a lot of weight. Yeah. I just want to say as a massive procrastinator, racing against the clock sounds like my worst nightmare. So kudos to you for taking that off my plate. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about truck driving as a job in its very core perspective. For anybody who is unfamiliar with trucking as a career path, here is some information that I got from Indeed.com about salaries and benefits. The average salary is about $61,518 USDA dollars in US dollars. I don't know why I said USDA. Are we talking about beef? What the fuck is wrong with me? (sighs) Wait, can you hold that thought for a second? I just realized I never plugged in my power supply. Hang on. Oh, okay. I wait. It's still chewy. Still chewy? That's not good. It's not good. I really want to be able to describe the flavor, though, and I just can't. You know what? It sort of tastes like armpit. It's no good. That was a a really weird thing to put my headphones back on, (laughs) too. Your face. (laughs) Chewy armpit. Chris's face. Oh, I don't. No, I don't like it. The can is still really cool, though. That's what I've decided. I'm going to switch to water now for the rest of this episode because chewy armpit is not my favorite beverage. (laughs) Okay, so salaries, benefits, indeed.com. We had to take a small intermission. I don't know what fucking happened or where I left off. So here we go. The average salary is 61,518 US dollars per year based on a study that was done on 372,000 reported salaries that was updated on February 7th of 2021. An owner operator driver can make on average of 280,274 dollars a year. That's real fucking money let's acknowledge that uh can i say something about that though absolutely uh they do make baller money but a lot of that money goes to taxes and the truck itself so what what they actually bring home is maybe a little bit more than the company driver that's really interesting actually I guess I didn't even think about, it probably would be really fucking expensive to upkeep your tractor if you had your own, right? Like, Yeah, uh, trucks aren't cheap. Oil changes are like uh, anywhere from 1000 to 1500 bucks. Oh my God, I thought my $40 oil change was expensive. <laughs> yeah, fuel, they buy their own fuel. Very expensive, especially right now. Um, super, super high in price. That's crazy. So do you as a driver get, this is one of the benefits that's on here, but I'm really curious. Do you get a fuel discount or a fuel compensation as a driver, like for yourself? Or is that only when you're actually working? Oh, that's only when I'm working. Got it. Okay. 
Um, because one of the benefits, like I said, uh, that's actually listed as a most common benefit of this profession, along with employee stock ownership plan, a 401k matching, referral programs, the fuel discount, as previously mentioned, paid time off, paid toll fees, life, health, vision, dental, and disability insurance. Would you feel like those are pretty normal offerings in the industry from your experience? Oh, uh, yeah, I have I have all of that pretty much. Yeah, except for like the toll booth. I can't drive on my like personal vehicle and get free tolls. But when I'm in my truck, I got free tolls. Do you have a pass or it, is it just a free toll because you're a truck? No, I, I have a, a toll pass on my truck on my windshield. Nice. I also have one of those things, and that thing is my fucking favorite. I hate stopping at tolls. It's like the most annoying thing. And I get lost really easily, and I swear to God, just getting off the off-ramp to get through a toll will turn me around and completely make me lost. I am that simple, you guys. This is why I don't drive through cities or go anywhere. (laughs) That's why I always drive when we go places, and then we get lost. navigate so hard places that i go and travel and deliver and pick up uh, i'm on the toll road all the time nice i also found this statistic that i thought was really interesting 51 percent of drivers in the united states believe their salary is quote unquote just based on the work that they do i guess i struggle with that a little bit do you feel like your salary is just for the work that you do Mm. I don't know. Can you go farther into that? Like, what is that? Yeah. So this average salary, again, is like 60. We're just going to call it $62,000 a year. Okay. Which is, that's a pretty legit salary. I'm not knocking that salary at all. But when I think about all of the things that truck drivers do, and I think about how truly you are providing a service for our country, right? Like you are away from your home, consistently. You are isolated completely from social interaction other than, right, I mean, podcasts or your customers when you are at a drop-off or a pickup, but otherwise you're in your truck by yourself. There's so much work that goes into it. There's so much risk that goes into it just because people are fucking crazy drivers and there's also the inclement risk of weather. I just don't know if I feel like a $62,000 salary equates to the amount of work that drivers do. I actually... I personally, on an outsider perspective, feel like that salary should be a lot higher. And apparently 51% of drivers are saying that they're actually very happy with their salary. So I guess where my question is coming from is, and I don't need to know your salary specifically, but do you feel like you get paid justly for the work that you do? Yeah, I do. I feel pretty happy with what I make. This is also, I've never quite made money like this before. I've always done factory and it's always been kind of, you know, crappy pay, but also the money I make, it reflects on how hard I work. So if I want to take it easy one week, you know, next week's check's not going to be that great. If I, I bust my butt, check's going to be pretty good. And there's always a lot of things that kind of affect that, you know, weather, traffic, um, breakdowns, tire blowouts, stuff like that. So I'm pretty happy with the pay. I'm really glad to hear that. And that was really my question. I'm not offering my opinion in saying that drivers should or shouldn't have more salary offered to them. I really was asking, I guess, from, again, that outsider's perspective, I just personally was surprised that 62000 was the average. I was like, whoa, that actually feels like not enough. Like, sincerely, I make a salary that's 
pretty close to that. And I don't do half as much work as a driver does in the sense of how much you actually do and sacrifice, not only in a family perspective, but also in your physical perspective. Like driving is really hard on your body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, I did nine months and, you know, got my W2. I wasn't too far off from from that amount. I mean, I think I think if I would have hit a full year and also COVID had a lot to do mm-hmm. with my driving the first three months, COVID really had uh, had us slow down a lot because everybody was just like didn't know how to handle it. And customers were shutting down and just trying to adjust to all the new like face mask and sanitization and everything. So if it wasn't for COVID, I probably would have done a lot better than what I did for the nine months that I worked last year, uh, being a first time driver. So super pumped about 2021 and seeing what I can do like in a full year's time. And now that we got COVID kind of under control in a sense, at least in a, we can still make the world turn kind of sense. Yeah. I completely understand what you're saying. That's awesome. I'm so excited for you and I'm so proud of you and I love your attitude about it. I think that that's a huge thing and I really appreciate you sharing that with us. So thank you. I love that you're so excited and determined to kick some ass and I can't wait to see you do that. Yeah, it's going to happen. I'm going to dominate 2021. I totally believe you. I do. Hi. I'm stepping in here to play devil's advocate really quick, though, because I have a question. Is it ever frustrating that your pay is impacted sometimes by things outside your control? Yeah, it's always, um, it always sucks. Um, Because, like, breakdowns, you don't get paid for that. I mean, there's, like, if you're broke down for more than a day, it's, like, $50 a day that that you get paid, which I can make $50 in, like, two hours. So uh, to lose an entire day... And only get paid 50 bucks. Super frustrating. Uh, and weather it was like two weeks ago, last week, something like that. I had to shut the truck down early because I just couldn't drive anymore. Roads are too bad. I don't want to risk it, you know. And uh, all that stuff really has a control on what we can do. And if your truck's not churning, you know, you're not making money. There's really nothing you can do about it. You just got to deal with it. Yeah, that's one part of the industry that I hate using the term fair because then I feel like I'm indicating I like participation awards or something. But these are circumstances truly outside of your control that I don't feel personally, obviously not a driver, so I can't speak from experience, but there should be better compensation for those times because it's not like you're asking for a blown tire. Like, this is your livelihood. I don't know. Sorry. Hi. Once again, devil's advocate. No, I love that you brought it up. I think it's completely valid because it's not just a blown tire or a breakdown, like which those things are out of your control without question. I'm not saying you would ever do anything that would get you to that position, but think about just normal shit that everybody has to deal with. The weather. You guys, really, Chris is right. We live in the Midwest. We have ice. We have snow. We have sleet. We have all kinds of cold ass shit that creates terrible roads on top of Hello. I don't know if anybody has ever been on the road, but drivers are fucking idiots. All of us. Like as soon as we're behind the wheel at one point, we've been an idiot. So really, there's just so many aspects that are out of your control entirely. And I would agree with Allie. I just don't know if it's fair that you're completely gypped for that day because of something that was completely out of your control. 
that just kind of hurts my feelings a little bit, especially knowing how hard drivers work. I just don't think that that is fair. Yeah, it's it's not fair, but it's just something. It comes with a job, you know, so we kind of already know, you know, if something bad happens, breakdown, weather. I, I know guys that were stranded in Texas all week long um, oh because of the snowstorm or the ice. Um, all the customers shut down because of the road conditions and they were shut down for a week and they sat at a truck stop all week fully loaded because they, they couldn't go anywhere. And then they got their check this week and it was nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's sad. That's so sad. That's so heartbreakingly sad. Yeah. Comes with territory though. So. Yeah. I respect that. I do. And I, I appreciate that you included that you know that it's part of the job when you join. Like, I think that that's a really big deal because as someone who still gets paid even when the weather is shit, I just, that just doesn't compute to me, I guess. So I really appreciate your perspective and I also appreciate just your acceptance of that being the reality. I think that's a really big deal and that's really cool of you. I agree. Yeah. So there's just a couple little things that I want to define. We're going to play like a little word game real quick because there's some transportation terms that I think maybe not everybody's familiar with. And the words are super basic and it's probably obvious. But again, previous to my experiences in the transportation industry, I didn't realize these words were words and applicable to this concept. So uh, we're going to talk about freight today. Freight is truly the products that are being moved from point A to point B. Anything that's on the truck, that is freight. We move freight all the time. That is transportation. A load is also that same concept, but in a singular environment, meaning like the concept that is moving right now, the freight that is moving right now is a singular load. I also have been in the transportation industry for a long time and I'm still a six-year-old and every time I hear load, I definitely think of cum. So that's out there now. okay guys I'll be the adult at least one of us is and then the other two words that go together are tractor and trailer so really when we talk about a tractor we're talking about the truck itself and when we talk about a trailer we're talking about the hookup so the actual 53 foot trailer that is behind the truck you guys come on this isn't hard stay with me half of you have trailers half of you have seen them so everybody should know what I'm talking about but I really just wanted to define those terms because again If you don't have a ton of experience and we start using those words in regard to the transportation industry, that might have been confusing and I didn't want anybody to get lost. So thank you for playing the word game with me. Are you guys ready to learn about some history? Oh, yeah. Let's history, bro. You did it. I did. That was for you. I loved it. That made me so happy. All right. A brief history of trucking, according to logistic.com. So I took some bullet points. There are a couple quotes and I will make sure that I quote them, but this article was really, really helpful and really interesting. So I am just going to read off those bullet points that I had. So prior to automobiles, most freight was moved by horse-drawn wagons. Can you imagine how bad that would suck? Yeah, that would be slow. Real slow. And I know you live in Indiana where there's lots of Amish, so you have experience with the wagons and just how slow. Yeah. Slow. I'm not knocking anybody, but slow. (laughs) I love horses, but I also love Amazon two-day delivery, even though I hate Jeff Bezos. Prime is nice, and so are horses. Horses and Prime. I agree. But yes, fuck Jeff Bezos. That motherfucker 
What a what a wasted opportunity at a real life Bruce Wayne. I'm so mad at Jeff Bezos. It's not even funny. So a quote from the article is in the early 1900s, trucks were basically motorized wagons that resembled their horse drawn predecessors. There was about 10,000 quote unquote trucks in the whole country as of 1912, with many of them being used for deliveries in and around larger metropolitan areas. The Seattle Chamber of Commerce sponsored a truck and driver to travel from Seattle to New York in 1916. This trip showed the manufacturers and merchants of the country that highways and truck transport were going to become a major influence in their lives. The first trip from Seattle to New York took a grand total of 31 days. Wow. Right? Can you imagine? How long would it take to get... Do I know this? I did this. I did this. I did this. I did this. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to read this. Okay. Okay, here we go. The quote continues to say, In 1914, there were less than 15,000 miles of paved road throughout the whole country. But during the next decade, the federal government spent $75 million on new road construction along with improvements on existing roadways. So I really sat with $75 million is a lot of fucking money. And I'm really curious what that would equate to with inflation today. So I did a little calculating, not actually myself. I actually looked in an inflation calculator because y'all know numbers are hard and that's not what we do here on Taboos. So <laughs> $75 million in 1914 would equate to $1,961,865,000 in today. So basically $2 billion, which is an inflation rate of 2,515.8%. Jesus. And yet we still need better roads. And yet all of the roads are still shit. <laughs> I can attest to that. Can confirm. Chris is here. Um, So I also was curious, like, how much road was 15,000 miles? Like, I really wanted to understand that because obviously 15,000 miles, if you have 800 left and right turns, that's different. But I really wanted to understand in a tangible aspect how much road that was. So I sort of played this little game for many hours trying to figure out a respectable way to demonstrate how much road that really was. So here's my calculation. 15,000 miles. If we made a 15,000 mile road, right? Just straight. That's how I did this. We're ignoring water. We're putting the road right over water because again, I want to understand how far I could travel with 15,000 miles of road. That would be a road that would take you from Seattle, Washington to Alice Springs, Northern Territory, Australia, and then halfway back to the U.S., landing about in Yemen, given 200 miles. So literally 15,000 miles of road could get us almost all the way around the world twice, about one and a half times. Isn't that insane? I just really thought that that was super impressive. That's so much road for that time frame, especially considering like, the technology to build roads has advanced so much and the chemicals and the things that we use to build roads have advanced so much. To really think about that much road at that time in history, that's just fascinating to me. I thought that was really cool. The article continues to say, 
Trucks were first used exclusively in World War I. With the increased construction of paved roads, trucking began to achieve significant foothold in the 1930s and soon became subject to various government regulations, such as hours of service. Shout out to hours of service. We are going to come back to that concept because it's really cool and also really difficult. And I would like to talk about that with all of you. So hold that thought. During the late 1950s and 60s, trucking was accelerated by the construction of the the interstate highway system, an extensive network of freeways linking major cities across the continent. At this time, diesel fuel was $1.49. Could you imagine? That'd be great. <laughs> I don't even know what is diesel fuel today. Like I don't know how much it costs. Uh, about three thirty-five right now. Oh, holy fuck me! That's a lot of money, and you need a lot of it. Like, how big is your gas tank? Uh, it's a diesel tank. First off, uh, no, uh, two hundred and twenty gallons is what I can hold. Okay, so what does your bill look like when you top off? Uh, okay, so last week I messed up and drove the truck super hard. And when I woke up Wednesday morning, it was on E, uh, which is something I never want to do. And uh, I made it to a truck stop and filled it completely all the way with 201 gallons. And it was $670. Oh, I wasn't too far off in my in-head calculations. That nobody can confirm now. Because <laughs> <laughs> she didn't count out loud. That's so much money for a tank of gas. Like, really, you guys, think about this. Like, really, really, really. I don't even like spending more than $30 on a tank of gas. <laughs> I'm so not kidding. 600 bucks for a tank of gas. Holy fuck. It's a ton. I'm glad I don't have to pay that. I'm so glad you don't have to pay that. I'm so glad. I just can't imagine. What kind of mileage do you get? Um, Depending on how much I'm loaded and the area I'm running, you know, hills have a lot of uh, uh, hills factor in a lot in traffic. I get about six to seven miles to a gallon. Whoa. Oh, my God. I'm in so much pain right now. <laughs> Whoa. Yep. She's uh, thirsty all the time. <laughs> That is crazy. Does she have a name? Uh, no, I haven't named her. I haven't named her yet. What? Still, still thinking of it. How is that possible? Uh, I mean, it's got my, my truck's got my name on it, but I haven't gave the truck a name yet. I'm still, still thinking of it. Okay. All right. Well, keep us posted. If you name her, I'm curious what her name will be. All right. I'll let you know. I'll let okay. you know. Oh my god, start a poll. Start a poll on Twitter for suggestions. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yes, let's do that. Okay, dear listeners, help us come up with Chris's names for his beautiful truck. It's a big black truck. We will talk about some names as we go through this episode. Let's all think of at least one. Okay, we'll think of one name to throw in the hat. I already have one. And we'll throw them out there later when we get to that point. Because I need some time. This is me really buying time for myself because I haven't had enough time to think about this. Okay. Okay. Back to my quotes. Trucking achieved national attention in the 1960s and 70s when songs and movies about truck driving were major hits. Trucking has since come to dominate the freight industry and the latter portion of the 20th century, along with what was termed 
quote unquote, big boy stores such as Walmart or Target. So really what I want to talk about with you guys right now before we move on to the next section that I have is what do you guys feel the perception of drivers are like within our society? I know we sort of touched on that a little bit, but I really want to hear from your perspectives. Like what is that perception to you guys? Both good or bad. I'm open to both. Go ahead, Allie. Okay. Um... (laughs) I would say that general perception is that it is a low-class job and that people who don't aspire for something quote-unquote higher take the job, which I think is so fucking stupid. That's probably an episode for another day regarding that thought process. I agree completely. And there's not a lot of respect for the actual job itself insofar as driving the fucking truck I can't even parallel park my goddamn car, my Jeep. I can't even imagine trying to drive any sort of huge vehicle, a semi, a flatbed, uh, whatever the fuck. So people don't even think about that part of it. Or even like a FedEx truck, like, like like a big delivery truck. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I definitely think, I just think there's... Not a whole lot of respect for it, and maybe I'm completely wrong, and that's what my perception of society's perception is. So, Chris, if I'm wrong, please tell me no. Uh, no, uh, I think uh, a lot of people think it's like lower class, kind of the scum of all jobs, um, no education needed, which isn't very, I mean, you don't need like a college degree, but you gotta be smart. And then, um, oh, there's oh, that just driving a truck is easy, it's like. Oh, I can do that. It's like, oh, okay, come on, hop up in here and back this truck up for me. Uh, I can drive I, my Subaru. I, I got this. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> back back in a fifty-three foot trailer in between two semis to get parking for the night, uh, while you got everybody shit talking on the CB, and it's just a super congested area. I get a kick out of people to say, "Oh, it's just driving a truck. There ain't nothing." I used to work in retail in the warehouse side of things and let me tell you i have seen some skilled ass fucking drivers back their semis into our dock when the situation they had to navigate was absolute insanity so that skill to me is mind-blowing i think that's a big deal by itself we've all seen trucks that are like in the bay right that have pulled into the dock and are actually within the walls of the building somebody had to do that it was the driver like let me answer that question for you it's not the store manager who hopped in the truck it's the driver who got this truck perfectly parked in an existing box that you guys i drove my car through my garage door last week i'm just saying Clearly, this is a hard task. Drivers deserve respect. That is it. You drove your car through your garage door. <laughs> oh, that's or right. You haven't heard that yet. <laughs> I've done it, though. I've done the same thing with my car. I, yes. Um. So the garage door wasn't open all the way. I really thought it was. And it wasn't. It wasn't even halfway open. And, uh shout out to our other episode where I tell the story. It's just not out yet. But yes, I did. I backed into it and I fucked it up so bad. I didn't drive all the way through it. I stopped, thankfully, because uh, my landlord was behind me. But had he not been, I would have absolutely driven all the way through it for sure, without question. It was the weirdest thing of my life and it cost me $800 and also my dignity a little bit. Oh, yeah. See, I've drove through an entire 
wooden garage door messed up on medication after a foot surgery. Oh, this was totally stone sober on Tuesday. Oh, don't admit to that. <laughs> this is Tuesday morning on my way to the vet. <laughs> she sent me a picture of it and I was like, what, you're garage is off track or what what happened yeah that's what she said i'm like freaking out i'm like i'm laughing because it was hilarious but freaking out at the same time just because it was scary and she's like your garage is off the track and i'm like no not what i said please fucking listen i just i demolished my garage door so shout out to drivers who can back up into the little tiny fucking door that is buildings when they do deliveries So I love that we explored that. The next section of my notes is when did drivers get such a bad rap and why? Uh, Because that's what I really wanted to understand because I am of the same position as you guys. I feel like drivers from a societal perspective have just a bad reputation. I really think that and I don't get why because like we've said, this is such an important job. I really equate it in my mind to a service of the level of like soldiers or police officers or doctors doing a job for society, although it doesn't take the same education or the same level of risk in the aspect of violence or active combat, it does require the same level of commitment because you guys aren't home, right? That's real. It does require the same amount of risk in, again, those instances of weather or being fucking robbed, right? And the number of loads that have high value commodities that people don't recognize, like you guys, do you know that almonds are a high value product and a high value commodity? Imagine a truck of almonds being hijacked. Do you know how much they could flip those almonds for and resell them? Thousands of dollars for one truck. That's insane. That's literally mind-blowing to me. That's just something that people don't think about when they think about truck drivers and what they're carrying in their load is for our economy. I just really think that this is such an important job within our society and I didn't understand, I don't understand why other people don't look at it that way. So that's what I looked into. So this information came from city.data.com slash forum. So it was really like a old school Reddit thread, basically. So suburban underscore guy posted on July 27th of 2014 saying, quote, To be honest, I'm not sure how the trucking industry developed such a bad reputation in the first place, but it's had it for a long time, decades in fact. When I announced I was going to become a truck driver back in 93, my ma wanted to jump straight into her grave. My friends mocked me. My neighbor said the best thing I would get out of it was hemorrhoids. I wish I was joking about that, but I'm not. So a question that was posed in this forum was, how bad is the industry's reputation? And the response from this suburban underscore guy states, quote, imagine if a high school guidance counselor recommended that a student become a truck driver someday. Oh my God, that counselor would lose their job that day. Seriously, they would. You wouldn't dare recommending truck driving as a career. It would be considered an insult. Do you guys feel that way? Like as parents, not necessarily that we agree with it, but this assessment of that, like, do you think that would be an accurate assessment that that would be insulting to other people? Uh, yeah, I could, I could see that being uh, insulting, but I don't know. It's just a job. I don't think it's that bad. It's good money. So I think that's really my thing. It's good money. It's good money and it's honest, hard work. That's what I'm just drawing a blank on. Like, what's insulting about that? What is insulting about that? I think once white collar jobs became a 
Norm, blue collar jobs got kicked to the wayside. You don't hear really anybody, and this could be, this could just be my perception because Moose is two, so not in the zone yet, but you don't hear people talking about trade schools or trade skills or anything like that for professions for our children within an education zone. It's all go to college stuff, and there's a reason for that. Another maybe future episode. Definitely. But I think that's a huge part of it. And I think it's so stupid and degrading and harmful because some people are so good for these sorts of jobs and they're so needed and so undervalued. They're truly the backbone of our society. And if we don't have enough people doing them, we're fucked. Totally fucked. Without question. Totally fucked. Yep. I agree with that. So I appreciate us being able to talk about that. The next question that was posed was, if becoming a truck driver is looked down upon in our society as a low-class career, what type of people do you think it will attract? And the response from, again, suburban underscore guy states, you guessed it, the wrong people. Does that mean I am the wrong people? Heck no. I am great people. I really loved that he said that because I would say that shit. (laughs) And so are a lot of other drivers out there. Some of the most intelligent and interesting people I've ever met are truck drivers. They carried themselves with pride, integrity, and kindness. But my God, you should see some of the other drivers. It's shameful. But truck drivers as a whole have earned this horrible reputation. The industry has its share of smelly, nasty, fouled mouth, obnoxious jerks who walk around cussing, spitting, and threatening people as part of their everyday routine. And I'm not about to make excuses for this level of unprofessionalism. There is no place for any of it in the industry. The reason that I wanted to include that quote is because I personally feel, especially as someone who is very familiar with the transportation industry, I felt as though that perception was so dead on in calling out like, yes, there are people who are not great people in this role, but this role is not made for not great people. Do you guys, are you guys on that same wavelength with me here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. That can be said of any career. There's shit people in every career. Oh my God, yes. So I think we assign certain stereotypes to a degree to these fields because it's easier to do so. And society would prefer we turn a blind eye to the shitty people in the quote unquote preferred careers. I think that's really important. I do. I think that's really important because I think about the people in professional environments who I'm going to use the word thug, right? I'm going to use that word, but I mean it in the sense of like a con artist or a bully or just a fucking douchebag, like just like a workplace thug, right? Like people have that in every single industry. It doesn't matter if they're wearing a jumpsuit or a fucking suit and tie. That asshole exists everywhere. But I do agree with you, Allie, in what you're saying. I feel like the perception is that truck drivers are primarily just that image of that quote-unquote thug, like not skilled, not intelligent, not committed, unmotivated. And I just don't think that any of those things are accurate, especially with what I know about the transportation industry. I just don't understand how that can be perpetuated, especially after this year and people for the first time in my life actually recognizing that 
transportation is a really fucking big deal. And it might have only been temporary, but at least when everything was shut down for five seconds, everybody recognized that we needed truck drivers. I just really struggle with this concept of demoralizing a career that is pivotal for the existence of our country and demoralizing those people within that profession just because they're not lawyers or doctors or police officers. Like, I just don't understand. What? Wh- how can their role be beneath someone else? I just, that, I, I don't know, I'm probably talking in circles, but I just, it's such a question that I don't get. Ironically, too, the fields that you mentioned that are lawyers and doctors, I'm not sure I'm police officers, but I'm assuming this probably stands there as well. Those are fields that are very flooded mm-hmm. for people applying for those roles. The trucking industry is hurting for drivers because of this perception. So it's this vicious cycle that we're going to have a really hard time getting away from. I agree completely. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation and to do my part as just a human being who recognizes that this career is so undervalued in our society. I I can't speak for other parts of the world and their transportation and if they value that role in those areas or not. I don't know that, but I do know in our country, it's just not looked at and talked about the way that it should be. And I agree with you completely. This is going to end up being a crisis moment, truly. If as a country, we can't get our hands around this and recognize that we are damaging our economy in this sense, this degradation of this industry and drivers as a career path that will literally make the blood stop running through our extremities of our country. So I just, I really felt like we should use our platform to at least have a conversation about making people recognize that. And also shout out to anybody who is considering maybe becoming a driver. I really want this episode to be for you and also shout out to, like I said, any drivers who are currently listening. This episode is also for you and we appreciate everything that you do for us and thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Yep, no problem. I finger gunned. <laughs> Allie hates it when I finger gun. I love that you did it. We're no longer talking about music, Chris. Oh, that's messed up. No more music talk. I cut out finger guns. <laughs> Kidding. I'll talk about music with you. I cut out finger guns. Um, so the same forum, but a different user. I personally don't agree with any of this, but I felt like it was really important to be talked about. So Another user named Maloric, M-A-L-L-O-R-I-C, said, quote, it's not, quote unquote, high skilled work. I wouldn't say I look down on them any more than I look down on anyone. It isn't a highly respected job in some way, a jan- in the same way that a janitor or a garbage man or plumber is, which is a completely different, quote unquote, oh, I missed a word which is completely different than, quote-unquote, looking down upon. Society generally places more respect on very high-skilled jobs, such as lawyers, doctors, or engineers, and less on more menial jobs. I certainly do as well. Again, this is a quote. Uh, Although maybe not as much as the average person. I definitely respect a neurosurgeon more than I do a truck driver, but that doesn't really mean I don't respect truck drivers or look down upon them. So what do you guys think about that statement? I want to hear your thoughts before I throw anything out there. Chris, you first. Oh, uh, 
I don't know. I'd like to see a neurosurgeon supply a store with the stuff that we need. I just think, I mean, yeah, the police and firefighters and doctors are important, but I think the truck drivers were up there too. We got to be up there because if it wasn't for us, America would stop. Honestly, it's just, it's super important job. I completely agree with it being an important job is definitely needed. I just really struggle, I think, with the concept that it's lumped in as a menial job. I also struggle, you guys, I'm just going to say this, I struggle with the concept that any job would be considered a menial job. If it's so menial, I guess just go do it then. Like, if it's that insignificant, why don't you do it? Right? I think as a society, we put a lot of value on education for jobs. Like, more education means a more important job, and I think that's absolutely ridiculous and part of the problem with our perception of important jobs within society. Stay tuned for a later episode. I don't know what to call it yet as far as our topic, but we're definitely going to talk about education and its relationship to the damaging effects that it's doing to our country. I am not saying education's not important. Hello, I have 12 years of education in my scope. Like, that, I am going to be doing that. But that's not true for everybody. So I want to talk about that at some point, but not right now. So I really appreciate that we could talk about this perception. And I think that we did a good job of really covering like what the perception is and where it should be, because I agree with everything you guys said. And I think that this is just, again, super important in bringing that perspective forward. So since we talked a lot about education, actually, the next thing that I want to talk about is how does one become a driver? And then I have in parentheses correctly. Because believe it or not, there are people who don't do it correctly. And to those people, I say shame on you because you're taking on a very incredibly dangerous job and you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And you are the reason that people die because of drivers. So fuck that shit. Do this career, but do it well and do it correctly. Safety first and always. So I found six steps to becoming a truck driver according to learnhowtobecome.org, which is actually a really cool website, and I used it for an upcoming episode also. So honestly, you guys, small shout out to learnhowtobecome.org because if you need any sort of insight on a career path, this website was really legit. So step number one, is pass your state's regular driver's license exam. Once passed, you can apply for a CDL, which is a commercial driver's license. Two, complete basic education requirements and professional training. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics has found that most long-haul employers expect applicants to hold at least a high school education or a GED equivalent, along with a CDL. In addition, serious candidates should attend and complete the curriculum from an accredited community college program or private trucking school. The programs run from several months to a full year, and some students may receive tuition assistance. So some carriers actually provide this education as well through the company itself. Like I know as an example, Schneider does this. So my company that I work offers a, a training course instead of going to like a drive school, which is normally about three weeks long, um, but you got to come up with uh, some money. It's about six grand. Uh, you can get like a loan or if you could pay that cash, you can do the driving school. But my company actually offers a three week course uh, to get your CDL and it's all paid for. You, you're on a one year contract with them, but everything's paid for and you, you get paid to do it. So it's actually pretty good. That's super cool. I really appreciate that, that it's like an 
a paid education experience. I do understand the contract, right? Like nobody's going to pay for you to have this education and then for you to dip. Like I totally get that. But the fact that it's available is actually really, really cool because I think about who might be eligible for this job or might be interested in this job. And that might not be somebody who has the ability to just cough up six grand, right? But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have the opportunity. So I just think that that's a really cool thing. And thank you for sharing that with us. Because also, I didn't know that driving the classes itself and the education, I didn't realize it was that expensive. Like, Yeah, holy shit. Yes, education is expensive. Again, that's another episode. But I didn't realize that this education was that expensive. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. It's uh, I was surprised at how much money it was because I was trying to pinpoint on how I wanted to go about getting my CDL. And uh, I went to a school. It's actually not too far from me. And they were like, oh, yeah, it's five grand cash, six grand if you can get a loan for it. And then I was like, oh, man, I don't know about that. So then they handed me a bunch of brochures. And a lot of companies will actually pay that off but you're again on a contract. So you can do the driving school and then get hired right on to another company. And then, you know, you're again on like a one-year contract and they'll pay that off for you. But they handed me a brochure for a company that I was already trying to get to and reading the brochure, the company's like, yeah, we'll take you up here to Iowa, spend three weeks up here. We'll teach you everything that you need to know. You get paid every week. If you pass your CDL, then you're out for five weeks with a trainer. You get paid for that too. And then you come back, test out, get your truck and you're on your own. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I also love that it's like a cohesive experience that truly like as a hands-on learner, I really appreciate that opportunity to do that. I'm sure it's cramped and smelly and hard, like being with a trainer in a, in a truck for five weeks. Like I'm sure that that is not delightful, but I would appreciate that learning experience if I was going to take this career path because again as a hands-on learner like I would not want to do that shit by myself even if I did take the class and I was really good at it like I would want someone in the truck with me until I knew what I was doing for sure yeah uh, sleeping in the same truck for five weeks with another guy below you our trucks have two beds in them I got a top bunk and a bottom bunk and of course I'm in the it's I'm in the guy's home. His truck is his home. My truck is my home. I'm in his house pretty much. So it was top bunk, very small and cramped, but it's definitely something to get used to. You're eating together, sleeping together in a way. um, (laughs) But not snuggled. No, no. Unless the truck breaks down, it's super cold. (laughs) I love that you've entertained the thought though. I, you know, shit happens. <laughs> um, yeah, it's some, definitely something to get used to. It was, uh, I actually had a really good experience. Uh, I had a really great trainer. Um, shout out to Greg, if he listens. Um, Thanks, he's Greg. actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually the greatest guy. I don't know how I got so lucky. He just hit 10 years as a company driver. He just got trainer of the year, which oh, is a very, so cool. very big nice. uh, award. Um, he's on his way to a million miles. He's, he's not too far away from it. And then, uh, I think Wheelmaster is in his future here soon. So that's a very big, big fan with our company is a Wheelmaster. That is so cool. Congratulations, Greg. Shout out all the things that is so impressive. And that's really, really amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. I love that story. Yeah. Drivers who can hit a million miles like that just blows my fucking mind. 
Agreed. Also, Wheelmaster sounds really illustrious, whatever whatever it is. It sounds like there's a scepter involved. I imagine like a gold steering wheel. Ooh. Like imagine like a Mario Kart, the Nintendo Wii steering wheel, but like a gold one. No, that's, that's yes. I mean, I don't know what the, uh, like you get a plaque or something, but uh, Wheelmaster is a very like looked after type of thing uh you get a plaque you get your picture putting on the company wall also you said the million miles we i know of one driver that's got four million miles right now oh my god holy fuck retired yet he's still climbing he's still doing it that's amazing holy shit that's amazing yeah it's uh i'm hoping to get there one day you will we believe in you Okay, so I love that you hit a bunch of the things. So I'm just going to fly through the rest of these because you did talk about them. The continuing education. So I'm not undermining any of the things you said. I love that we went there, but I did have just a little bit more in-depth information. So number three is truck driving schools typically teach students how to drive the truck as well as learn regulatory details to pass licensing exams. Schools should include focus on the essential of the state's CDL exam. I did have slight question on state's CDL exam because that implies that your CDL license is not through the same education on a federal level, which is just weird to me. Not even in a bad way, just in a how is that possible kind of way, because that just doesn't seem fair. It it actually feels like setting up for failure in a way. What if there are laws and road regulations that you're not aware of in another state? Is that a thing or am I just imagining that? No, that's that's a thing. And on the truck driver, he needs to know like the what what differences are in each state. Like I don't know any examples really, but I know Georgia's very difficult on drivers, um, just the regulations that they have. But it's it's part of the job knowing what state you're going to, what kind of fame's going on in that state. Some states have like uh weight restrictions. They won't allow certain weights without permits. Some states are goofy about truck lights and stickers. It's just something the driver needs to know about before he gets into that state. So is that something that they would communicate to you upon tendering the load? Or like genuinely, you, Chris, need to know, I'm going into Georgia. Let me do my research. Like, how does that work? It's both. It's both. Okay. Uh, our, Our atlas that we have normally has pretty much all the info that we need. We just have to do the research ourselves. Um, also, when we're dispatched to load, if we're going somewhere um, that's got some sort of restriction or something, sometimes we're known, we're told about it, but it's on the driver, honestly. It's his truck, his rig, his business, per se. He, mm-hmm. he needs to know. He needs to do the research. It's all on him. Yeah, that makes sense. But also, I go back to not even in a driver-to-driver capacity, but on a federal level, Why would we do that to ourselves? Why wouldn't we just make this? I mean, a driver's license is a government issued ID, right? Yes, it is within your state. But the fact that the states have different laws around driving just is very fucking weird to me. I just don't understand that. Welcome to America. Pretty much. Real. I have nothing else to add because Allie said welcome to America. (laughs) 
So another piece of number three that I thought was really interesting is they talk about endorsements. So this thing says endorsements matter. A quote unquote combo vehicle endorsement can open the door for driver's qualifications to include driving semi trucks, hazardous material loads, school vehicles, and tanker trucks. For anybody who doesn't know what a tanker truck is, it is the vehicles that you see that carry gas or different chemicals. Sometimes they look like a little pig's belly because they have like little udders or little like spouts on the bottom. I don't know. I'm doing this weird thing with my fingers, but also known as pipe bombs. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's nicknames for everything. Why pipe bombs? Because they would explode if something bad Because if it's like a hazardous material, explode, looks like a pipe bomb. Oh, that makes sense. Just like a flatbed's called skateboard. Nice. Is it really? Yeah. I love that. Say more. What are more? <laughs> I want to know them. <laughs> uh, dry vans are pretty much like uh, prime. Uh, Schneider would be considered a dry van unless it's got a reefer unit, which is a refrigerated unit. Keeps food cold. So I used to work in the transportation field more directly. And the first time people started using reefers in the lingo, I was like, what the fuck are people talking about? What are these trucks? I also had that experience where I was like, why are we talking about weed trucks right now? Like, I don't understand this. What is happening? (laughs) My trailer is called a covered wagon or a side kit. It's just the name for side kit. Oh, a side kit. I'm sorry. Yep. But why? Is the covered wagon for the tarps? Yeah, because I have, uh, if you think the old school wagons and horses, mm-hmm. uh, my trailer kind of looks like a covered wagon is what they were called back in the day. Oh my God, I can totally see it now. I totally know what kind of truck you're talking about now. Yep, yep, yep. You, I think you've seen my trailer. I show off my truck all the time. Oh yeah, I totally have, but I I didn't realize that it had the extension of that cage cover thing that you're talking about. Yep, yep, yep. It's got ribs and a tarp over the top, and then I could take my sides off. So that's why it's called a side kit. That's cool. That's really cool, though. I didn't know that there were like nicknames for the different loads. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So drivers must also... Oh, I thought this was super interesting. And back to my like tangent about federal regulation. Drivers must also pass the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Regulation, also known as the FMCSR, because that sounds way more catchy, exam (laughs) that includes a physical sight and hearing assessment and a written section on federal traffic laws. Each type of endorsement requires a passing grade on a skill test and or written test. You may hold a commercial learner's permit or a CDL to gain the on-road experience under the guidance of a CDL licensed driver. So those endorsements Those have to be taken individually, so you have to earn them. I kind of looked at them as like Girl Scout badges where you have to like earn them all separately through their own testing. Number four is to find job placement assistance. I guess if you went through a company, kind of like you were talking about, Chris, with your company, then job placement assistance isn't a necessary step. But for people who are coming out of driver school, this is a step that was listed. Some truck driving schools offer the services of a job placement board and career counseling. Truck driving associates and organizations offer job boards and career mentoring for their members. Again, that step might not be required by all because because it depends on the path that you took, but I didn't want to exclude it in case some people didn't take that route. Number five, complete the employer training and orientation program. Quote, congratulations, you have a job. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that companies require newly licensed employees to complete a proprietary in-house training program. Weren't you struggling with proprietary before? 
No? No, perpetuality. Different. You're right. In-house training program. These can run from three to four weeks, often called a driver finishing program. Training sessions introduce new drivers to the vehicles, materials, and equipment relevant to the company. Student driving is monitored by a licensed mentor accompanying on-road training. So again, lots of hands-on mentored training. You're not doing this by yourself, so don't worry about that. You will be taught by someone hopefully as amazing as Greg and someday Chris. I meant someday as in you will be an amazing trainer, not that you're not amazing today because that came out not as good. Chris is amazing today. Everyone needs to know that. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Step six is to gain experience. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, some employers will not hire tractor trailer drivers who do not have at least two years of related experience. I thought that was really interesting too. Like two years is a long time to have driver experience under your belt without having worked for a company, right? Like that seems weird. Yeah, that's so fucking stupid. In any scenario where the company is like, must have two years experience for the, for this job that we're asking you to come on for. That did come out the way I wanted it to, but I think you guys get what I mean. I totally understood exactly what you were saying. How am I supposed to work for you and get the experience if I can't work for you to get the experience? That's exactly the thing. Chris, have you found that anywhere in the things that you've experienced? Yeah, but I was like super, I was like 18 trying to get a factory job and they were like, no, you need experience. I'm like, I'm trying to get the experience. But with my job right now, I was just lucky to find a company that was like, okay, you don't have experience, but we'll hire you. We'll train you, which it was three weeks of hard training. It was very serious. And I did not understand why it was 14 hours a day until I started driving a truck. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. It's 14 hours a day is actually my work day, but yeah, just got to find a job that's kind of like what I have. Somebody that'll bring you on with no experience and train you. You just got to stick with them for the year, get your experience. I'm definitely staying with my company for a long time. So I love that. And I really appreciate the companies that understand people who want to come, like genuinely want this career because it is exciting to them for all of the amazing reasons that this career is cool. I really appreciate giving the opportunity of in-company experience without having that experience under their belt. And I love that your company did that for you. I know that there are a lot of companies that do that, but I also recognize that there are a lot of companies that don't. So anybody who's doing some research on this and you are interested in working in a specific company, I really just recommend that you do your research and understand the company's expectations around previous experience and if they're willing to work with you or not. I think that that makes or breaks the difference between a company who values their drivers and a company who literally just wants bodies behind the wheel. Here, here. I think if you want to become a truck driver, do it. Just do your research, know what it takes to do this and find yourself a company that actually gives a crap and isn't trying just to fill a seat um, because that's where you get like some really bad drivers with some really bad habits that are just causing chaos out on the road. So do your research and make sure it's a, a fit for you and your family. If you have a family, make sure it's it's not an easy job by any means. So just, you know, do your research. I love that. And we're going to get into that. I have one more thing about actual information and then we're going to get into all of that other stuff. And I'm so, so, so excited. And I love this because we created a perfect segue, all of us collectively. Go team. High five. What? Oh, there's my camera. Love this. Um, My next section is called, oh, look, Allie is doing things now. Okay, let's try again. 
The microphone is right fucking here. I can't high five very well. I mean, you high five your microphone literally all the time. That has never stopped you till this episode. I haven't yet this episode. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> okay, so my next section is called where to work. Um, I got this information from truckerstraining.com. The top trucking companies to work for by truckerstraining.com as of a 2020 study. These are what I found. There are a lot of factors that go into what makes a company an excellent company to drive for. But some of those that were listed were UPS, FedEx, Old Dominion, Schneider National, XPO Logistics, Arc Best Corp, JB Hunt, Estes, Landstar System, YRC Worldwide, Hub Group, and Knight Swift Transportation. A lot of those are very nationally recognized companies, but I also recognize that a lot of these are very regionally recognized companies. So I wanted to do a pretty fair representation of both. I don't believe that one is better than the other, but there is, again, a difference in nationally recognized companies versus regionally recognized companies, or honestly, just local trucking companies, which are just as important because please don't anybody think that the mom and pop shop trucking company doesn't do as much work, if not more, than the super large companies because those drivers are doing the exact same thing and are just as important. So that's what I had on background of trucking, you guys. Thoughts, comments, questions, anything before we move on to our Chris Labar Q&A section. I have a love-hate relationship with all of it for various reasons. I feel you. All of what? All What are we talking about? Alan, Your information. Dearest, love of my life. Light of my life. What? <laughs> the information you just provided. I loved it and hated it for various reasons. Oh, I'm with you now. I am caught up. Thank you for getting me there. Mr. Labar, what were you going to say? Thank you. I answered your question. <laughs> all the companies that you just mentioned uh, were all drive-in and reefer units, which I thought was uh, kind of crazy. Do you feel like that makes, like the type of freight is what makes the company more popular? No, it's the style. Uh, I don't know how to word that right. Um, it's the work, I guess. Okay. Um, because like Schneider, Swift, JB Hunt, those are all drive-ins. Uh, and not to be like a dick measuring contest, but <laughs> uh, those are all, I'm going to shit talk too. Uh, those are all like dock bumpers, bump the dock, uh, forklift loads them. They shut their doors and take off, do their things, which is cool. But uh, none of the names were flatbedders, which flatbed is a lot more physical work for sure. So a lot of them you named off was just dry vans. I thought that was kind of funny a little bit. I think that's interesting. Yeah, because you have to do your own tarps and everything too, right? Like you're responsible for the safety, not necessarily the safety of the load, but for like the tarps and the straps. But yes, the safety of the product. The safety of the load is very important for what I do. Super important. I have to secure everything on my truck that I put it on my trailer. Everything has to be chained down. I use chains. Um, everything has to be secured. So safety is huge. And it's I, it's all manual labor. I have to, there's a lot to it. It's not just putting some stuff on my truck and me taking off like Swift and mm -hmm. JB. Not saying those guys don't work. I don't, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But the names you mentioned were, none of them were flat. I mean, Swift has flatbed, but it's not as big as some of these other companies. They're mostly like reefer units and dry vans. Okay, so I have two things. One, I do know that some of the 
transportation companies that I had listed do have other branches of yep. freight. So like Schneider specifically, I am familiar that they have other branches and different types of services that they offer. I also know that JB Hunt does that as well, but I think it's really interesting that you did call out that there's a specificity to the type of work that comes with the load itself. So I think that's really, really interesting. The second thing that I wanted to say is, could you share with our listeners, and you are welcome to share as much or as little as you're comfortable with, would you be willing to share with our listeners like what the actual product is that you move. I think that might help people grasp mentally. Like when you say this is hard fucking work, you're really meaning this is hard fucking work. Uh, yes. Yeah, so it is hard work, but it's also something I have to think about every time I get my load. Uh, I haul steel coils. These coils, I think the biggest coil I've ever hauled was 48,200 pounds. Holy um, fuck. And then I haul skidded coils, which is pretty much a big coil cut down into strips and then recoiled. And then I, I haul steel sheet, flat sheet. And uh, yeah, it's, it's legit work. I have to work. It's something. And then I also have to use my brain on how to secure it safely. So when I'm driving down the road and some asshole cuts me off and then slams on the brakes, when I go to stop to prevent myself from hitting him, my stuff's not flying off my truck and killing me or somebody next to me. Because that shit would definitely kill you. Yeah. So a suicide coil is called a suicide coil for that reason. If I don't chain that properly with the proper amount of securement and I do a, a like a hard break or hit a wall, that coil will come off my trailer and roll right into my cab and probably kill me. This is like some final destination shit. That is exactly where my brain goes. Definitely. Definitely. Anything that I haul is uh, pretty much potentially dangerous if I don't do my job right. Can I actually tell you guys that that's a very real, it's one of my rational, irrational fears that I have when I drive next to flatbeds that are not empty. Like if they're empty, I'm okay. But a flatbed that has anything on it, like lumber or like your coils or just flatbeds by themselves with product on them freak me out when I'm on the road. Like it's not that I don't tr it's not that I don't trust the driver. It's that I go to final destination and those logs are coming off just because I'm behind the truck and I'm definitely dying in that moment. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. Same here when I'm driving. Whether I'm in my truck or I see somebody next to me and it's a flatbed, it's like, oh man, if that dropped off the truck, it would uh it'd fuck some shit up. It'd be a really bad day. It would. Mine's for when I'm behind anybody hauling anything, regardless if it's a flatbed or a pickup, because I've seen far too much furniture on the side of the road to trust anybody anymore. <laughs> okay, yes, but I have a different expectation when it comes to normal people hauling something in their pickup truck. Like, I just get the fuck away from those people because I don't trust that they know what they're doing or that that shit is secure. But with a truck, like a truck trucking freight transportation like we're talking about I do have a sense of expectation that that shit is secure and yet my brain just tells me I shouldn't my brain just tells me it's not safe because again that terrible disturbing image of the logs coming off of the truck and that's real like it's not a far-fetched fear it is something that could actually happen so I'm not saying that it is gonna happen I'm just saying like that's something that my brain worries about but you're right. People are stupid on the road, period. Doesn't matter. Dear drivers, please be better. Dear Celeste, 
you're also a driver. Can you walk us through a typical day, Chris? Yeah, I wake up late. Um, no, um, typical day just kind of depends on where I stop the night before. I wake up, I start my clock. Starting my clock involves uh, a good walk around around my truck, make sure there's no leaks, nothing out of place, everything's working, lights, pretty much the whole mechanical part of the truck and everything that comes with it, uh, hopping up in my trailer and making sure everything's uh, the way it's supposed to be. And then if I need to do some planning, some uh, like looking onto maps and trying to see where I'm going, figuring it out, if it's something new, and then it's just driving, really, making sure I'm stopping and doing my load checks, which is a mandated thing, and then making my deliveries, picking up again, and doing it all over again. It's pretty much what my, my day consists of. When does your day typically start and end? And I know that fluctuates but i just want our listeners to hear you say those hours that truly go into your day all right so uh i typically start my day anywhere from i want to say like six in the morning to nine in the morning that's when i like to start my day and then if i use my full 14 hour clock uh if i start at six my day is done at 10 and then you know seven would be 11 eight would be midnight that's pretty much when my day is over with it also depends on I mean, really, if I want to stop kind of any earlier or if I get to where I need to be and I'm pretty much done for the day, then I could stop a little bit sooner than that. But I can't go over 14 hours. Um, I can't go over 11 hours of driving straight. And I have to have a 10-hour break every night. I have to be off the clock for 10 hours. And then I have to fit in a 30-minute break in in my workday. So I really appreciate that you brought that up because I realized that I mentioned when our restrictions came into place, but I did not do a very good job in my research of expanding on that. And I kind of thought that I did, but clearly I fucked that up. So thank you for saving me and bringing us back to the place of talking about our restrictions because I really think that that's something people don't recognize. So let's talk through that again. You have a 10 hour break where you must be off. You like recharge it doesn't matter if you're sleeping or you're doing whatever, but you cannot be driving for a 10 hour period. Yep. Okay. So then also you can only be actually driving on the road for 11 hours a day. Is that real? Yep. That's, uh, that's correct. Okay. And then your work day itself is typically a 14 hour work day, meaning that you take those extra three hours of not being on the road, doing things like checks and security and pickups and drop offs and all of the other things that come with not physically moving from point A to point B. Am I understanding that correct also? No, you hit that all on on the dot right there. That was like perfect. I may or may not have experience with this, but... (laughs) I appreciate knowing that and thank you for saying that. I think that breakdown is just really important for our listeners. So dear listeners, imagine if you have an eight-hour workday, okay, because most people, that's a very average thing is an eight-hour workday, but you can only actually be working for six of those hours. And the other two of those hours, you have to be checking on your computer or you have to be making sure that your security information is secure. Like... I did just say security information is secure like a fucking idiot, but it doesn't change the fact of imagine how frustrating that would be that you have X amount of hours to work and your work involves moving from point A to point B, but you're not allowed to do that. 
anymore. You've met the expectation of the number of hours that you can be driving. I recognize that it's a safety thing and I personally appreciate it, but that would be incredibly frustrating for me. Is it frustrating for you or do you like having that time? Um, Kind of depends on the day. I'm, I should also add that I have a 70 hour work week. I cannot exceed 70 hours and I have to, if, if I hit 70 hours, I have to have a 34 hour shutdown. Oh, oh. And let's go back to if you're shut down, you're not getting paid. If you're shut down, you're where you're at for 34 hours, no matter what's going on, unless you can, you know, grab an Uber or uh, steal a car. I don't, you know, but uh, <laughs> I, I've I actually I've been stranded out for a weekend because I ran super hard that week and I did not pay attention to my clock. And then my dispatch also wasn't paying attention. And I got dispatched on a load. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go do it. And then I realized, oh, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to get home. Luckily, I was close to my terminal in Indianapolis. So I made my delivery and then went to the terminal and spent a weekend there to get my 34-hour reset. That's crazy. I genuinely didn't know that aspect of it. And again, I understand for safety and I respect it. But like, I can't imagine. I can't imagine... I really think about like my car being on a timer and when the timer is up, my car just stops. I'm no longer moving. I am stuck where I am. Obviously, you, you have to be safe. Like you have to get somewhere for safety. I get that. But really, like you're, then you're stuck and now you live in this parking lot for 34 hours. That's just, I can't imagine that. I really can't. That's such a, an important aspect of your job that I didn't know. So thank you for teaching me that. Yeah. And also nothing's worse than trying to make it home and being delayed for whatever reason. And now you have to spend 10 hours, even if it's just 10 hours, but spending 10 hours in a truck stop and you're only 60 miles from home. Nothing's worse than that. I got my daughter waiting on me and it's like, oh, sorry, I can't make it home. I gotta, I gotta stay here, you know, or I'll get in trouble. So, uh, yeah. So what are the consequences of like, let's say you were at your 70 hours, right? And you are one hour away from home. I'm not saying you would ever challenge this. I'm really not. I'm asking, if you did, talk me through those repercussions. What are the consequences of that? Uh, pretty much the repercussions would be, if you get caught, you would get a pretty hefty fine. Honestly, it's a ticket. And then uh, also DOT can like shut you down for 24 hours. Uh, just stop you. You have to stay right there. And staying at a uh, chicken coop for 24 hours is not good. And chicken coop is a slang for a way station or a DOT like headquarters that's on the side of a highway. Why is it called a chicken coop? I don't. I, I don't know. I love it. I love it. I'm learning so much here. So is that the same expectation or would those be the same consequences if you drove over your 11 hours in a day? Yeah. Any sort of hours of regulation violation, violation is a, uh, it just depends on the officer. Um, okay. But I know it comes with a ticket uh, and it's not a cheap ticket. It's not like a $50 ticket. It could be a couple hundred dollars depending on how bad of a violation it was. And uh, you can't outsmart them. You really can't, especially with uh, running uh, like ELDs, uh, electronic logs. My truck keeps track of everything that I do and it flags and the officers know what they're doing. They can find where I've tried to cheat the system or have cheated the system. They're not dumb. They know you, know you can't bullshit them. So it's just something 
Don't, just don't do it. Just don't do it. I really appreciate both hearing that police officers are accustomed to this happening and they know what they're looking for, but also you saying that it's just not worth it. Because I think the other thing that I want to call out is when you get that ticket for running over, that's on you, the driver. That is not on your company. That's actually probably against company policy. I find it absolutely ludicrous that there wouldn't be a policy as a company against driving over the expectations. So really, if you get that ticket, that's on you. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. So as a driver, again, it's your responsibility to drive this truck the way it's supposed to be uh, drove and legally you, it's all on you, the company, you might get a company that's like, okay, we'll pay this ticket. But my company, I can tell you right now, you're going to pay the ticket. You're going to get pulled in and talk to somebody in management. It's, it's not going to be nice. It's not going to be good. And also I should add that DOT when they, uh, for whatever reason, say, you know, you get pulled over cause you have a light out, they're going to inspect your logs. They see something like that. They have your license in their hands. Well, you know, it's just like a cop pulling you over license mm-hmm. registration. Once they start digging deeper and they give you a ticket, you're not leaving until you pay that ticket. Like you don't, it's not mailed to you. Oh, you have to come up with that money right there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, what the fuck? That totally makes sense, though, because if you get back on the road, you could be gone in 30 minutes, like anywhere. They don't play. They don't. They don't. There's no like, oh, it's okay, bud. See you later. No, they're (laughs) they're giving me money now, you know, so that I've never heard of that. I believe that that's real. I just have no experience with that as just a residential driver. I, again, you guys, I've admitted I have five speeding tickets on this podcast. All of them have been mailed to me and I paid them like in good time. So I I can't imagine what that would be like to have to come up with that kind of violation. I mean, really, those tickets are expensive. I am familiar with that. I can't imagine having to like pull 1200 bucks out of my ass because I drove over my hours. Like, that's insane. Yeah, so I was talking to a driver. I don't know what we were talking about. He was like, yeah, I got pulled in the scale because I was overweight. DOT took his license, you know, held on to it. Uh, the company had to call somebody out to move the load on his trailer to make sure all of his weights were correct. The company paid for that part, but then he was handed a $600 ticket and was told he can't leave until the ticket's paid. So then now he's got to fork out $600 out of his own money to pay a ticket that he should have. I don't want to say it. It's his job to know his weights and how the truck's loaded. So yeah, it was up to him to come up with that $600. The company wasn't going to pay it. So that's actually really interesting and something else that I wanted to ask about. So in relation to weights, like, yes, I hear you saying that that's on you to recognize, but how do you know how much you can carry, whether it's heavy or not? Like, is it the same per your truck and per your company for the type of load that you're moving? Or is it the same for every load? Like, how does weight work? Uh, weight is worked on the axles. Okay. So uh, my steers, which are the my turning tires, I'm allowed 13,000 pounds. My drives, which are the two back axles on my tractor, those are 34,000 pounds. And then my trailer is, a, is considered a 10-foot spread, which means the axles are 10 feet out from each other. It's not like um, Schneider and Swift 
And a lot of the other companies have like, they're called tandems. The axles are right next to each other. Those weights on those trailers are different too, but I'm allowed 20,000 pounds per trailer axle. Now, if you do the math, it comes out to 87, I think it's like 87,000 pounds, but I'm only legally allowed 80,000. So you pretty much need to know what you're hauling, how big, and then you got to place it on the trailer to make sure that everything weight-wise is correct. And then we've got cat scales that we can go and hit, and it'll tell me the the reading on each axle. So, I mean, it's really uh, dumb for the driver to get an overweight ticket because he has a lot of resources to make sure he's legit. Do you have to take into consideration the weight of your actual truck as well, or is that part of the calculation between the axles? Yeah, so for my truck, my truck weighs 32,000 pounds. So subtract that from the 80,000 pounds, it leaves me with about uh, 48,000 pounds worth of weight that I can haul. I should also add that you can play it with the fuel because I can hold about 1,500 pounds worth of fuel. So my truck weighs 32,000 pounds of full tank. And then it gets lighter and lighter if I have less fuel in the truck. And sometimes I can I can play with the weight by not having so much fuel, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like I imagine if you have like a really heavy load, you could maybe run that on half a tank of gas and still get where you're going. But it would actually be very beneficial to your weight overall because... You're really, you only need half a tank and that also offsets some of the weight that you've taken on in that heavier load. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It's called, we call it the fuel game. Okay. I'm getting a super heavy load. I probably shouldn't get so much fuel. I've got enough to do what I need to do. I'm going to run this load. I don't get fuel afterwards, but also we got a dispatch, know what our trucks weigh when we first get our trucks with full tanks of gas. So they know, okay, well, this guy can't haul this because every truck weighs different. And then once you start adding your own personal effects to the truck to live in, you know, truck's going to get heavier, plus all the securement that I have in the trailer and in my truck, you know, weights fluctuate. So it's on the driver to know, first of all, what his truck weighs empty on full tanks or whatever his fuel is, and then what he's getting, and then load placement is a big factor too. You know what I really hear you saying in this whole thing? This is a lot of fucking math. This is so much math. Like, this is life or death kind of math. And I've never, like, again, I have familiarity with this concept. This The concept of weight distribution as it relates to the trucking industry is not new to me, but I've never had anybody explain it to me that way. And I really recognize, like, you're doing math all day, every day as every aspect of your job. And that is really fucking cool. I really appreciate that. And I think that that needs to be said because I go back to kind of in the beginning of our episode when we talked about the stereotypical perception that people have of truck drivers is that they're lower class or undereducated. And I don't think that those things are fair to say because really, seriously, I couldn't do that math. Allie tried to count to nine last week and she fucking failed. Like, bad. I would be in the exact same position. So... I'm really like hats off to you right now in being able to do those calculations on the spot and so frequently and legitimately you're doing them not only to protect yourself, but to protect us. 
on the road. That's why those restrictions are there, you guys, is for our safety and for the drivers. So really, like, thank you for being a math wizard. That's a really big deal. I'm actually super horrible at math. Chris, take the compliment. (laughs) All right. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. A point to that, though, is society's general perception of truck driving is you get the load and you drive away. And there's so much more that goes into it that people don't even realize. And I think this is just one small sliver of it that doesn't come to anybody's minds. I agree completely. I agree. The other thing that I wanted to ask about that is something that I don't feel like comes to people's minds when they see drivers just on the road. Tell us how often you are not home. I really want to hear about your work-life balance and what that means. Like when we were trying to schedule this, I mean, I so appreciate that you did it and you, you got your schedule figured out and you accommodated us in scheduling this. Like that's a big deal. But I remember when we were trying to schedule this and I was like, when is your next day off? And you like laughed at me. Like, what is that like? What what does your schedule look like? My schedule varies, honestly. Um, it also it just depends on when I'm loaded, how I'm loaded, and when I want to start my week. Like tomorrow, I'm leaving tomorrow and heading straight down to Columbus. It's a load that doesn't need to be delivered until Monday. But if I get there Sunday night, get a full 10-hour restart, Monday morning, I have a fresh clock. I can get unloaded, reloaded, and have a really good start of the week. So I'm gone. I either leave Monday morning or Sunday evening. Evan, I'm home either Friday or Saturday night, and I can't plan anything, can't schedule anything. Social life, I threw that out the window a long time ago. Just, I'm gone pretty much six days a week, I want to say. That is so demanding. And you mentioned her before, but you have a daughter. What is that like? Is that just really hard on you and your relationship with her? Like you're an amazing dad. That's not what I'm questioning. I love your relationship with your daughter, but like really from a time perspective, is that hard for you guys? It's super hard for me. I'm sure it's hard for her too. I just try to make sure that the time we do get together spent very well and it's not wasted. And uh, definitely take some getting used to and not getting home when I want to get home always, always sucks, especially when I know she's at home waiting on me and I get, I got stalled out and can't make it home till the next day. I also spent, it was just December through January. I spent four weeks away from home. I didn't go home. Everybody got COVID. So I spent four weeks away from her, which is the longest I've ever done. And it was, it was super rough by the time I got home. I was, I mean, I was ready to hug her and just fucking spend the entire weekend with her. It's, it's not an easy job by any means. Quality of family time isn't really there. You got to pretty much do the best that you can when you do get home. Props out to the guys that live in the trucks uh, and that stay out for a couple of weeks at a time because we have drivers that do that. I'm mostly home on the weekends. Try to be. It's never much, a, a lot of time there. Pretty much 34 hours and then I'm, I'm hitting the road again. That's so demanding. And I just really commend you for being able to do that because I don't even like being away from my daughter for like 18 hours. Like I say that I want that and then those 18 hours come and I'm like, "Mm, fuck this. I hate this. (laughs) So I really like that's a big deal. I can't imagine. I made a joke because I made a joke and I'm just I do that. But that's not a joke at all. Like really, dear listeners, imagine doing this thankless job 
and never being able to go home and see your family doing this thankless job. Like that's just in a way like heartbreaking. But at the same time, that says so much about your character. And I think it says so much about the character of people who are able to take driving as a career because that's something that I would not be able to do. And I understand and recognize the value of what drivers bring to our country and knowing that it is at the cost of having such limited exposure to the people you love, like, mm, that is such a big deal. So thank you for doing that. You, Chris, but also to any driver who might be listening, thank you for making that sacrifice for us and for this country. I really appreciate that. Definitely. One of the things I was thinking of while you were saying that, Celeste, is obviously it's a huge sacrifice that drivers have to make to get us our shit. And people don't think about that when they think about the job. Or they say, get a different job. Get something different. Well, who the fuck is going to drive the truck then? Who the fuck is going to drive the truck then is really the question, you guys. I was just excited about your question. People just don't think about... Well, do something else. One, you obviously love this job, Chris. It would be asinine for somebody to tell you to get a different job. Like, no, that's not the point. Two, okay, who's going to fill your shoes? There's already a shortage of drivers. What now, Jim? Yeah, Jim. What were you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I went Jim, but... I think that's a really valid point, though, and I appreciate you saying that because I do think that that's part of this perpetual cycle that we have of this just negative connotation and this stigma around this profession. So I think that that was a great call out. Actually, that's also a great segue to one of my other questions, which was, Chris, what do you wish society really knew about this profession? And maybe we've talked about it, but if we haven't, what is the thing that you wish people like knew about truck drivers? What it takes to do what I do. People just, they don't take it in consideration. They just think it's super easy and it's its clearly not something anybody can do. You got to have like a level head. You got to be, I don't want to say like super smart, but you got to have some sort of intelligence. This isn't just some goofy ass dude hopping in the truck and driving around. You have to have some smarts to you. Yeah, I just... I wish people would uh, appreciate us a little bit more. Um, And I got to see that like during COVID, which is weird. But when all them stores were like out of everything, that's when people started putting like, thank you, truck drivers on their fences. And then like on the toll roads, the big signs up on the, I don't know what they're called, but the street signs, it said, thank you, drivers. We started getting a lot of appreciation. I think they're called street signs. It's okay. You can call her a dick. That's totally fine. That's fine. It's all right. (laughs) I just couldn't miss that opportunity. I just couldn't. (laughs) Normally, I'm the asshole. I just, I'm sorry. I just. And it's only to you, not to our guests. So, wow. You took that to a whole new level. I know, but it's, I'm sorry, Chris. (laughs) It's because I love you. It's really, that's why. I'm sorry. It's, this is how I show affection. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. But I think that that's a really valid point. I'm sorry I interrupted. You're good. You're good. What is, uh, so you started talking about it before my assholery kicked in. What are the most difficult concepts that you experience in your job, both physically and conceptually? Like when you talk about the things you wish people knew about your job, give me one physical that you wish people understood and one conceptual that you wish people understood. The I, I guess the toll it takes on your body, I guess. Would that be one? Yeah, for uh, sure. I've gained like, 
I've gained a little bit of weight. That's something that that just happens. Conceptual. What would be conceptual? Hold on one second. Let's go back to that thought. So can you help me understand why you have gained weight with this job? Like, is it because you don't have a ton of healthy eating options when you're on the road? Yeah, that could be one of them. Or just like, um, I'm starting to get a little bit better at it, but uh, just what I'm eating, I guess. There's a lot of, at the truck stops, it's like Wendy's, Taco Bell, Subway, McDonald's. Uh, I don't eat at diners or anything, mom and pop little restaurants. Um, Also, it's just how I run my day. I'm super busy and I want to get stuff done pretty much because the more I get done and the more I drive, the more money I make. Yeah, It's always like grabbing something quick to eat and then hitting the road and never fully stopping to enjoy Denny's. You know, I've been to Denny's one time since I've been driving and that was only because I had to sit and wait. I was told not to start my day yet because the load I was picking up wasn't ready. So I had a couple hours to kill. Really, it's just, uh, it's on me, but grabbing quick things to eat and hitting the road and turning them miles. So even if you were to like pack yourself food though, do you have options for that? Like I, I, I think about you're gone all week right? You don't really have the accessibility to like pop over to a grocery store and get healthier options for yourself to like make that. Or am I making that up? Like, is that a thing? Uh, I have a fridge in my truck. I got a pretty big fridge that's stuck in the truck. So Sundays is normally the day I go out to the store and grab me some food. I don't cook in the truck. There are options to cook in your truck, but I never... Once I'm done for the day, I don't want to do nothing. I just want to kind of cook something in the microwave and go to bed. Also, uh, I think like eating at nighttime before I go to bed is probably a bad habit to have. But again, I'm busy. I got I got stuff to do. I guess I could, you know, it's not in me to slow down and take time for myself. I just kind of want to go get shit done, get it, you know, be done for the night. So, yeah, I'm yeah, mostly packing that. like lunch meats and cheese salads i like pre pre-made salad kits cases and cases of water and stuff to put in the water and then trying to avoid like the, the sweet snacks aisle but you know sweet snacks are my fucking weakness my sweet tooth is terrible little debbie and me are gonna get married here soon if she keeps <laughs> it up that tease <laughs> all i can think about snack wise is every time i stop to get gas i get these things called twin snakes they're gummy worms every single time you guys if i drove a truck that would be like all over the floor in my truck because i would get them every time i stop <laughs> okay so then the conceptually part i think about like is that maybe your the lack of work-life balance like what what is the hardest part of your job mentally that you struggle with and maybe not even you specifically struggle with but you have found is just really hard hardest is knowing when i'm getting home and doing stuff when i get home like i can't i I can't plan anything you know i'll get a phone call i actually posted this on facebook it was uh quit asking truck drivers what time they get off we don't know and quit asking us when we'll be home we don't know and that's, it's very true. I don't know. I don't know what my, my weekend is going to consist of until about Friday. That would be really hard. I mean, I also recognize how like exciting that would be. Like imagine if you didn't have a responsibility, right? Like imagine if you were just like a single dude, just like living your life, right? Like that would be really cool every day, every week being a new adventure. That aspect of it is really cool, but you do have responsibility. So 
that coolness actually in a way like kind of isn't enough to offset what you're missing. The opportunity cost of adventure is that really worth not being able to see your daughter for four weeks. Like that's just something that I think is really important. And I really appreciate you saying that because dear listeners, imagine that being your work. That would just be really hard. And there are other professions that are like that. So I'm not discrediting that other people have that experience, but Truly, in the average workforce of our country, that's not something that 90% of professions experience. So really, I'm offering that as something for us to think about as a group in our podcast. Not only as us in this conversation, but us as in you, dear listeners, as well. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. I just work here. I'm going to go on to the next thing now. What do you wish that society knew about drivers while they're also driving? So like if you could like talk to the Subaru next to you, what do you wish people knew when they were on the road with you? Know about me or? No, 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 not about Chris, but like you as a driver, like about your truck, about safety, like talk to me about braking distance. Talk to me about what I am doing to make your job and your life more dangerous or harder. Like how do I as a driver in my residential vehicle, make things easier for you as a commercial driver. I want to be able to send that message to our listeners so that people are just more consciously aware of the risks that you're taking when you're behind your wheel, but also the risks that I'm imposing as a driver by doing A, B, or C, because accidents happen all the time, right? And an accident could happen between two residential vehicles and it could be just as bad, but you have so much more weight behind you. And I just, there's just so much more risk involved in that and you can't stop as quickly. So I really just want to understand like PSA to other drivers on the road, what would you want them to know? Oh, my favorite part of this segment, I want drivers to know what the hell they are trying to accomplish while out on the road. That is a very, it's a very big, big thing. You got drivers just, they're idiots. They don't know what they're doing. It's almost like they're on some forbidden road they've never been on. Um, (laughs) I swear, Chicago. I wait 94. (laughs) Yeah, 94 is fucking nuts. I hate 94. (laughs) I'm on 94 so much. (laughs) really distracted driving like pay attention for me as a driver I'm looking ahead of me not just like the car to in front but like as far as I can see because tail lights tell me everything you know what I mean if I see flashing lights something happened if I see a lot of people braking uh you know using their brakes obviously it's getting congested I'm checking my mirrors all the time so everything I do I think just the four wheelers that's what we call them should be doing too, paying attention mostly and know what you're doing. It takes about three football fields for me to fully stop on like dry, dry pavement going uh, 60 miles an hour. It takes us a minute to stop. So, you know, Karen that gets pissed off and cuts me off and slams on her brakes because she's not paying attention to what's in front of her. I'm going to smash her because I can't stop. There's no way I can stop. There's nothing I can do. And then, you know, I don't want to jerk my truck over into the other lanes. That's just stupid. I have a lot of problem with merging traffic. I don't, I don't know what you guys are doing out there, but <laughs> get your shit together. Cause get your lives together. Four wheelers. It's, it's not the, you guys aren't doing it right. Legally. I don't have to like move over to the lane. I, I could stay in my lane. But you get like merging traffic that expects me to move my 80,000 pound truck just over 
and then they ride right next to you and then it's like okay well you're a lot faster than me first off you could have got ahead of me or you could slow down and get behind me nope they ride right next to me cussing and screaming and honking their horn until they realize they run out of road it happens a lot let's see what else can I just say anybody that consciously brake checks a semi-truck is asking for a death wish? I was literally just going to say the same thing. While you were thinking of other examples of ways that drivers could be better, I was going to go back to Karen and be like, dear Karen, please know that if you brake check a truck driver, you're going to die. That's basically what that means because you're not stopping. You're not, I mean, you are, you would try. I know you would try, but you're not going to be successful in that. There's no way. If you need 300 yards to successfully break at 60 miles an hour, that is so much distance. I think it takes my car, which is 1,200 pounds, like 80 yards at 60 miles an hour to make a complete stop, which is not the same. Yeah, and also like the four-wheelers that do that, they're very selfish because why... I don't want to stop like that. I do not. I got to consider everything around me and what's on my trailer. Um, when I brake, I'm trying to brake nice and gentle, if that makes any sense, because yeah, totally. of what I have on my truck. You know, if I suddenly stop, there's a possibility of that load coming loose. And I don't I don't want that. You know, it could kill me. It could roll off and damage so much stuff, kill somebody. I don't want that on my conscience because Karen can't fucking get her shit together and drive correctly so people that drive like that I, they're they're my worst people that i know of yeah i really appreciate that education as a driver i really appreciate hearing those things and i drive very consciously especially around trucks because of my knowledge and experience and respect for drivers so i definitely am very conscious about that now but i will tell you there was a point in my life where i didn't know that so I really appreciate being able to have that conversation and hear you say those things and talk about, yes, paying attention when you're driving is important regardless, okay? You guys, like, please hear us say that. That's without question important. But driving with a truck is a different kind of important. And I just really don't feel like, especially in driver training from, again, a car perspective, like a residential license, nobody ever is like, here's how you properly drive around trucks and semis. Here's the proper road etiquette to make it safer and better for drivers who don't have the ability to slam on their brakes the same way that you do. Nobody ever taught me that until I entered the transportation industry and I was taught that at that time through experience and exposure. So I just think that's really important and I really appreciate that we got to explore that aspect of the conversation as well because I personally wish more people were courteous drivers when it comes to driving alongside semis and trucks and freight industry vehicles as a whole because not only is the job that you guys have so fucking hard but also there's just so many risks and and complications that can be avoided and that's on me I can help alleviate those things for you and I mean why wouldn't I want to do that if it means that you and I are both safe on the road so I loved that I love that. Okay, so the last question I have is, do you enjoy what you do and what is your favorite aspect of your job? I absolutely love my job. This is probably best job I've ever had, honestly. Um, thing I like most about my job is I'm kind of sort of in a way in control of the money that I make. So 
instead of being stuck in a factory making, you know, $18 an hour for 40 hours a week, I, that, you know, that's a limit right there. Uh, I've had plenty of jobs. that was like that. This is all you're making. You're at top pay and you're only getting 40 hours a week. I am in control of what I make. It's kind of like my own business to a certain extent. And that's, I, I love it. I love what I do. And I, lo- I love the challenges that come with this job. Every day is something new, even though I do do a lot of the same stuff, I a lot of the same places, and I haul a lot of the same stuff. Every day, there's some sort of challenge. And I, I enjoy that to the fullest. I think that's so cool. I really do. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us as well, because I, again, I just think that's a perspective of the job that's not really talked about enough. So I love hearing that. And like Ali said before, I can totally tell how sincere you are about your passion and your appreciation for your career and that this is the right fit for you. So I think that's literally so cool. And I'm so happy for you that you found that. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm super happy. I was I've never felt like this about a job before, so it's, it's kind of weird, but it's weird in a very good way, uh, and I'm not bored most of the time. I guess it could be bad, but most of the time I don't stick. I've never stuck with a factory longer than like a year or two. I get super bored, got really good, and then it was just like, okay, this is this is all I'm doing. I don't like this. I'm going to go to something else, and right now, I, I, don't have that, I don't have that feeling whatsoever. I think that's a big deal because I can relate to that, right? I mean, I've been there. Yeah. I love that. Agreed 100%. I have two random questions that I thought of. First off, do you have a handle? <laughs> no, actually handles went out the window. I don't know what year that happened, but CB Boo. talk. Yeah, that's sad. I was super excited when I got this. I thought it was a bigger thing than what it is, but uh, that kind of went out the window. I don't know why. Can someone explain to me what this is? Like a name, a trucker name. Oh, like what, uh, what would your trucker like name be though? Ah, uh, it'd, it'd be something really <laughs> fucked up. What'd you say? I was just geeking out about. We were just geeking out about the rubber ducky comment. Do you know what the rubber ducky is from? No, no, never seen it. Oh, uh, what's <laughs> Chris hates okay. us now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about snowman? Do you guys are you guys familiar with snowman? No, okay. I mean, I've made God. one in my life. No, it's, it's from Smokey and the Bandit. It's the truck driver on Smokey and the Bandit. His name's, uh, his CB handle, Snowman. Uh, no? I've also never seen that movie. Nothing. Burt Reynolds. Sorry. Oh my God, you guys aren't living life. <laughs> this is where Chris would say, leave your house. <laughs> so the entire time I was in training, I had the Smokey and the Bandit theme song stuck in my head the entire three weeks. I That's how you know God. that shit was meant to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, CB handles. I don't, I don't have one, and I, I wouldn't know what I would make mine be. Probably something really dark and metal, like I guess. I'm here for that. What do you think my CB handle should be if I get one? See, that's hard, huh? It is really hard, Mister Mayhem. Ooh. Oh yeah, I could do that. I could do that. That would Ooh, be good. I do that like that. One. That would be a good one. Now I just, oh, I feel so on the spot and names are sort of my thing. I like Mr. Mayhem though. Okay, now that I've decided, that's the one I like. I'm on board. I second that vote. All right. And also <laughs> CB, CB chatter isn't very, it doesn't happen a lot unless the truck driver's talking shit. Gotcha. Truck drivers talk shit to each other? Oh, hardcore. Really? If you want some entertainment, you turn on your CB in a super busy, like on 94 going through like Chicago area, yeah. turn your CB on 
you'll be entertained all day. <laughs> what do people like say to each other? How do you talk shit? I really just need to understand this. <laughs> it's kind of like the, like I said, the big dick measurement. Like, yeah. it's kind of like that. I'm a better driver. Fuck you. You're driving the dry van. I'm a, you know. Um, also, <laughs> sadly, there's a lot of racism. Oh, I hate that news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's something It goes on. It's just shit talking. And a lot of it's like inter- entertaining. And sometimes the guys are just bored. They just want to have a good time. Sometimes somebody did something to somebody and that dude's pissed off now. And he's going to ride your ass and talk shit the entire time. Why do I imagine that this is like the original Call of Duty or like online gaming, like shit talking? Like I imagine like a bunch of like 12 year old boys being like, suck my dick, bitch. But like grown men in trucks. Yeah, no. And also... <laughs> Also, I don't know why, but if you imagine Johnny Cash and then Boomhauer from King of the Hill and they had a baby, <laughs> that's the voice of most of the CB talk. You can't understand it. Oh them. my God, this is the best image ever. I don't know if I love it or hate it. I'm so conflicted. All day I was trying to think of like, okay, well, yeah, Johnny Cash and Boomhauer from King of the Hill, if they had a baby. That's definitely what half these guys sound like. That's amazing. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay, Allie, that was a fantastic question, and I didn't know that, so thank you for asking. What was your other question? I'm very curious now. What's your favorite state to drive through? Well, it's definitely not Illinois. <laughs> um, Shots fired. Shout out to Illinois. Wisconsin's really nice to drive through in the summer, not so much in the winter. That's real. We feel that way also. Ball's the best. It's real. I do a lot of deliveries in uh, Wisconsin. Kentucky's pretty nice to roll through. Um, also, not in the in the winter. And there's one there's one delivery I do in Iowa that I want to experience in the fall because I want to see what it looks like. It was um, it was completely terrifying and beautiful all in the same sentence. And I really want to experience it like in the summer or the fall when the leaves are falling because it was it was beautiful. But that the couple weeks ago I did that run, it was completely terrifying. Why was it terrifying? Was it because you hit mountain range? It, was, it started snowing right when I got close through. Uh, I went through Rockford, Illinois, and was cutting on 20 over to the west. And uh, it was snowing, and the two-lane road turned into one lane because I couldn't see the road. And then it was all – I had 47,000 pounds of steel sheet on my trailer, and it was all downhill, uphill, and curves. Oh, my God. Yeah, trying to keep your truck slow enough going downhill and then having to speed up to go up a hill and then losing traction in your truck with semis behind you that can go faster than you. Super terrifying. But it was it was beautiful. The hills, the little towns I went through. Yeah, I just want to experience it in the fall when the roads are clear and I'm not so terrified. That does sound really cool, though. It really does. And I kind of imagine you're on like your own little roller coaster every day. Like that sounds really juvenile, but at the same time, like that's, that's kind of what I equate that to. That just sounds really fun. Yeah. It's a, it's pretty much like a roller coaster that has issues going up a hill. And it weighs a lot. (laughs) It weighs a lot. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I do. I love that. 
Okay, so I recognize maybe we should have done this at the beginning, but, you know, it's okay to make them wait for it, I think. It's okay that we we did a little tease, a little torture, but let's really talk about for just a second how we know you, Chris, because you are one of my favorite people. I love the opportunity that I have been given to meet you and just, I love our friendship. You are just such a solid dude, and I'm so grateful. Allie, you are welcome to say beautiful things about Chris now. Insert compliments about chris right here literally everything she just said plus you have wicked music taste thank you thank you thank you yes and your taste in women is also fantastic so i just wanted to throw that out there taste in women (laughs) yeah you have you you recognize really hot women oh yeah true. true. my tattoo artist you were like yes and i was like totally okay that happened but also you have amazing taste in podcasts and that's how we met yep Say more things. Dad's on Dayquil. Love you guys. Dad's on Dayquil! Josh, Jordan, and AJ. Those are my boys. I can't wait to be on their podcast one day. Except we beat them to it. We did it first. We did it first. We did it first. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to get some shit about that too. So, uh, um, They're the ones failing here. Real. They actually are the very first podcast I've ever listened to. And it it all came from me shit-talking AJ's mustache. (laughs) I love AJ, but sometimes that mustache is fucking wicked. Like, sometimes I'm like, put that away. You're scaring children. (laughs) Yeah, he he posted on a Facebook page that we were uh, both on, like, hey, roast me. Roast my mustache. So I roasted him, and he hit me up on Messenger. He's like, oh, that was a good one, man. I'm going to... I'm going to mention your name on my podcast. I was like, oh, dope. You have a podcast? What is it? And he told me the name. I was like, oh, this has got to be good. Evan, yeah, I've been, I think they were on like episode six when I started listening to them. Evan, I've just been supporting the shit out of them. Evan, uh, I met you guys and uh, Ty and Nikki from Page Turners and Button Mashers. Hush, hush. Just, I've, I've found a lot of podcasts because of dad so super grateful for them i love them boys yeah us too yeah we are also super grateful for them huge shout out to the dads agreed 100 percent. og pad fam real we talk shit but we love each other like on a real level so that's a really big deal and just really i can't express to you what your friendship means to us but also as a listener what you mean to podcasts you are the type of listener that every podcast dreams of finding right but like you're real you just selflessly promote the people who you appreciate and our content and you're just so good about it and just so loyal about it and I just think that that's so cool and that must mean that we're doing something right because you wouldn't waste your time if we weren't so that is also a facet of that that I recognize and I just appreciate all that you bring as a friend and as a listener to our show and the other shows and I honestly I love that you've become a member of the podcast family and you're like the only non-podcaster in the entire conversation. You're just like the only normie who's out there and we're all podcasters and you're still in the group. Like that makes me so happy when I see your little chats pop up in our like fam groups and whatever. Oh, on Twitter? On yeah. Twitter? Yeah, I think it's so awesome that I'm on there and I'm I, I'm not on the podcast. So uh, I must be doing something right. Also, I appreciate you guys, all the podcast guys, because you guys keep me entertained throughout my week. It's almost like I'm talking to somebody, you know, because I'm, I'm in my truck by myself six days a week. So having the interaction with 
just listening to the podcast and having something to think about, especially with like taboos. You guys are a great podcast and always keeps my mind flowing, keeps me occupied, helps me throughout my day. Dad's on DayQuil. I love them guys. Everything that they bring to the table, their top five list that they do. I always find myself participating by myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, for sure. And then like Hush Hush Society, all their mind blowing conspiracy. I fucking love Hush Hush. It's so good. I've been listening to Nikki talk about her books and Ty talk about the video games which I'm super into when I have the time. Yeah, you guys are keeping me going, honestly. I would, I get bored of Pandora. So like I listen to my metal, but then it's like, okay, well, now I'm bored. I've listened to everything. So, you know, I'm caught up with you, caught up with Taboos, Dad's on DayQuil, trying to get up there with uh, the page turners and button mashers. So thank you. Thank you all, all you podcast guys, because you guys keep me occupied throughout my week. So fucking hats off to you. We love and appreciate you so much. I don't think you could ever understand what that really means to us. So real. Thank you. And to know, like, I just, I need to say this, to know that you lead a life of solitude very often, right? Because that's just a part of your job that we can be there for you, right? Like we're your friends no matter what, but to know that you can have that experience and that you hearing us just have a conversation is sort of like you being involved in the conversation with us while you are in a place that you can't be physically with us like that to me is such a big deal and the fact that we are able to make you feel that way like that's so humbling to me that's so important to me and I just I really do appreciate hearing that like that makes my heart so happy that we're able to help with that yeah you know I could always hit you guys up you know I've talked to Allie on messenger about music I've I've talked to you I bullshit with the dads I started a little uh dads on dayquil uh group chat on messenger where it's just fucked up jokes and just funny shit we have that too But yeah, just the interaction. You guys respond back. So it's it's cool. You know, you guys aren't like super big headed, snobby podcasts. You guys actually respond and talk. And I love it. It's the best shit ever. Part of that, though, is just because you're a great fucking friend. Like, let's acknowledge that, too. So cheers to friendship all around. I love all of this. This makes me so happy. Cheers. My glass is now just pepper and salt, so I'm not going to drink it, guys, but cheers. So I actually love that we had that conversation because truly you did all of our shout outs for us. I think that that was fantastic. Shout out to other podcasts, specifically the dads without question, specifically page turners and button mashers without question. They are a favorite of ours as we have had both halves of the page turners and the button mashers on our show. Shout out to Ty and Nikki. We love you guys. Seriously, shout out to Hush Hush Society. I fucking love their shit. I think it's fantastic. I'm not sure if you've heard the mind uploading episode yet, but I brought that question to the table and I fucking love that shit. I got off on that episode so hard. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. I just recommend that episode because it was so cool. All of their episodes, though. Their JFK episode was mind blowing. It was it was. I see what you did there. Ah. <laughs> Allie hates her life right now. It's fine. <laughs> Chris is now on Dad's on Dayquil as well. That's where we poached him from, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll have to give the JFK one a listen. I haven't done that yet, but I really recommend the mind uploading one because that one is so dope. Oh my God. Okay. I love it. So Allie, would you like to kick off our outro since Mr. Labar was in charge of all of our social plugs? 
Well, first, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, Chris, and talking with us about this. I had so much fun during this, and I really hope that our listeners take something away from it because what you do is important and crucial, and thank you for everything. Agreed, 100%. Your service is so appreciated. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on and doing an episode with me on it. It's I'm awesome. so excited. I love this. Thank you for helping make a dream of mine come true because this is a topic that I knew for sure I wanted to cover for this reason. Just a really legitimate and open conversation and for people to have the opportunity to learn about a career that they probably wouldn't otherwise have looked into. Yeah, thank you. I was uh, I was actually surprised that you hit me up about doing a truck driver when you first we first started talking about it. I was like, truck driving's a taboo subject? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, let's do this. So yeah, awesome. I mean, now that we've had the conversation, do you recognize like where I was coming from? Or are you still like, no, this is weird that we talked about this? <laughs> no, no, definitely, definitely. Because uh, like we've said a bunch of times, a lot of people don't consider us, you know, important. We're kind of pushed off to the side and nobody really pays attention to us or, you know, so uh, yeah, having this episode kind of hopefully will help some people understand, you know, the importance of what I do and everybody else that drives, you know, I actually, I did like um, my month of February. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did your numbers. Tell us about yeah. your numbers. So pretty much all I have is uh, I had about 1,200, 1,300 gallons of fuel used this month. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, it's uh, it's decent. And then uh, I drove 9,000 miles this month, 9,000 miles. And I had uh, one week with a breakdown, so it should have been a little bit more. And then I, I've hauled 983,749 pounds of steel this month. Holy fuck. That's like the Titanic. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, my God. That I'm so glad that you pulled us back to have that conversation. Holy shit. That is so much weight. Oh, my God. That's literally the Titanic. I just I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine as I'm like I have groceries and I have some kitty litter in the back. That's like 42 pounds and that's heavy. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a lot. I was actually surprised when I added everything up. I think it was last night. I was like, "Hold," because I've never done, I've never wrote all that down before for an entire month. I do it for like a week, but then that's just that helps me keep control of what I know, what I'm getting paid, and what I run because I keep track of that. And then yeah, I did that for I did it for this episode. And then once I added everything up, I was like, "Holy shit, that's a lot." Oh <laughs> well, I love that you did that for the episode because I think that's really important. But also that was very very thoughtful of you to be able to contribute and to take the time and effort to figure that out so that you could share that with our listeners and with us. I just really appreciate that. That was very, very thoughtful of you. Same. That's why you're the best. That's why we love you. So dear listeners, as stated, we hope that you took something away from this episode as well. Thank you for joining us with this conversation with Chris. If you want to reach out to us, we have our socials that you can do so on. It's Taboos the Pod on Instagram and Twitter. It is Taboos, just Taboos on Facebook. It is Taboos Podcast. Good job. At gmail.com. And it doesn't really matter like if you want to just shoot us a message saying hi or let us know what you thought of an episode or anything, let us know. If you want to share us with a friend, we'd love for you to do that. We have a million topics we've covered at this point. Take a look at our backlog. There's fun stuff in there. And if you want to rate and review us on 
whatever Apple calls itself nowadays. That'd be cool. We also have a Patreon if you want to support us monetarily. There are some cool levels to that, and you get to hear us make even more masses of ourselves than normal. So, good times. Chris, would you like to offer maybe one of your social medias in case anybody wanted to reach out to you with questions or to thank you for being such a fantastic representative of the, honestly, probably the majority of the driver population because I think that that's honestly also really important. So if anybody wanted to reach out to you, how could they find you? Well, you can find me on um, Facebook. Chris Labar, L-A, capital B-A-R. You can find me on Twitter, Labar underscore Chris. I'm on Instagram. Couldn't tell you what it is. So if you have troubles finding me, you can always hop on the Dads on Deadpool Facebook page and find me in there because I'm all over the place. I was going to say that's real. That's how I found you. <laughs> yeah. So if you have any kind of like questions, curious about driving, want to join, you know, questions about how to go about doing it, really anything related to what I do, I'm definitely open for giving you the best answers that I could. I love that. And you guys really, Chris is such a good friend and such an amazing man. And I just, oh my God, I just love you so much. And I'm so glad that we cross paths and you're just one of my favorite people. So I hope that other people get to take the opportunity to reach out to you and get to know you because you're such a beautiful soul. And even though you're totally dead inside, but so is yeah, Allie. Yeah, definitely. And that's definitely fine. dead inside. That's fine. We still love you regardless. That's the best team to be on. No, don't say that. That's not true. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, sincerely, for being here today for this episode. I love seeing your face. I loved having this time with you. I really appreciate you taking the time that you have at home to spend it with us. I hope that we didn't take too much time away from your baby girl, but I cannot tell you what this episode means to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And on that note, dear listeners... Do, Do you? Be taboos. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.